Welcome back to the Science Fiction Film Podcast by LSG Media. I'm your host, Dean. I'm Matthew. And on this week's episode, we bring you Sneakers from 1992, directed by Phil Alden Robinson. I'm really excited to talk about Sneakers tonight, gentlemen. And uh, I'm going to tell you something. I couldn't be happier to have you two guys joining me on this little excursion. And I'm going to ask a very challenging question that you might not be able to answer immediately. But if you think through it, in fact, I'm going to say Josh is not allowed to answer because he's known me for a long time. Okay. But I'm going to turn this over to Matt and say, Matt, is there any way, shape, or form that you think that somehow I could connect with this movie on a fundamental level? On a fundamental yeah, level. Yeah, I mean, what do you think? What do you think? Why do you think Sneakers speaks to me a little bit? Could you, <laughs> I mean, could you venture a guess? The overall tone of getting it over the man and fucking the government? <laughs> Stealing their, their dirty secrets? Hey, close enough. And right. uh, yeah, there you go. Well, I'm glad to have you guys on it. Um, this is. Uh, Are you full on Team Cosmo now? What's am I on Cosmo? No, no, definitely not. No, no. no. no more secrets, though, Marty. Yeah, I can't do it. I can't go full Cosmo. He uh, <laughs> f- unfortunately he violates my uh, some some fundamental principles of mine. But uh, we'll talk all about all that fun. It's going to be a good time. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Now I know Josh has seen this movie. I know he's favorable on this movie. So I'm gonna I'm gonna say, uh, hey Matt, had you seen Sneakers before? No, 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 never. And awesome. honestly, I'm glad. I'm glad because I want that perspective. Even, dude, hadn't even heard of it until it was up on our schedule. I was just like, <coughs> oh, okay. <laughs> I mean, I'd heard you guys talk about it before. Mention the name. That's it. That's all I knew about this. Right on. Cool. Um, so you have a first time kind of you coming at it. Just give me your overall impressions on it. Oh, man. Well, so before going in, you know, I, the only thing I looked up about the movie was the cast, and I was already like, holy shit, what a cast on this movie. That's that's a lot. That seems really cool. Can't wait to see, you know, everybody in this. Robert Redford, Sidney Poitier, River Phoenix, all these fucking massive people. Dan Aykroyd, uh, Laura Roslin herself. I was like, <laughs> goddamn, everybody's I totally in this forgot. movie. I actually forgot about that because, you know, right? I kind of forgot about her until, I mean— just you know you go back when you watch movies that she was in in the past after you, you go oh my god that was her oh my god that was her you know so many times over so like many. dances with wolves and shit i was like holy shit that's her what <laughs> yeah man so that's that's all i knew going in was the cast and i was like all right i mean i my expectations were raised a little because i was like that's a hell of a cast for this movie i i hope it'll be good um and went in just with really no expectations at all. Just like, all right, I, I don't know anything about this. I know you guys are high on it. Let's just see what happens. Um, and I got to say, man, and I'll talk about it once we get there. There's a specific moment early in this movie, just a few minutes in, where I was like, I think I'm going to like this movie. And then by halfway through the movie, I was like, I really like this movie. Um, it's I'm, I know I'm giving my blow my load here, but this is a fucking really good movie, guys. I really really enjoyed this this is the first time also in years years that as soon as the movie finished and the credits started rolling i started it over without a single pause just started it over and watched it again had a blast was such a fun engrossing movie enjoyed every character 
I'm I'm super high on this movie. Um, and, and it was awesome. such a joy to have no idea what, what to expect. It's completely new, completely fresh, and it didn't disappoint at all. I'm super excited to get into this. I don't want to. I've already blown my load about my feelings, so I don't want to get too far into the details. I love it. I love it. Oh, all right. How about you, Josh? Well, as you know personally, Dean, I I love this movie. I remember, I don't know how this ended up as the, uh, it was a guild bounty. Yep, I'll get to that in just a second. Yep. So I don't know who originated it, but I banged that gong hard once I saw that it was up there. Um, This is a movie that goes back a long time for me. I saw it probably 13, 14-ish years old when I first saw it. (laughs) Me too. um, (laughs) And I've seen it a lot since. I own it on DVD. I watched the hell out of it. I love the cast. I love the characters. The the tone of the movie and how it handles tension, then humor, then really heady stuff um, seamlessly. All these transitions, I, I think nowadays, especially w- with that blockbuster mindset, humor often seems like so like punched in there. Like it's just like, bang, time for like a quippy moment. And here it's just so natural to the characters and this is a movie that I think about, and I'd really like to hear both your takes on this, because in my mind, I, I watch this again. I love it. I have so much fun. I think about it afterwards, and I think to myself, man, they don't really make movies like this anymore. But I could be wrong, because I am definitely I'm not really great at how, how closely I follow film these days. There's the vast majority of things come and go from the theater onto streaming without me ever having time to watch them or get around to it. Um, but I feel like this kind of movie that just relies pretty much solely on the writing and the performances to do pretty much everything. I mean, obviously there's not really any special effects to speak of. Um, the tension is just all there that's built kind of naturally from the consequences of whatever moments. And yeah, there's some potentially major things that happen here. There are there are some possibly world-spanning consequences that could happen, but ultimately the stakes are personal and they're 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 small because what you're caring about for me at least it's not it's not the oh my god what if Cosmo gets this in the whole world I care about Marty and I care about Crease and and what's how these things are going to affect them and that's so much more interesting to me than good guys versus bad guys saving the world kind of big action stuff that is uh, I think is the the fair of the day so man I love this movie I'm psyched to talk about it psyched to hear what you think I'm really excited to hear your your take on it Matt I mean what you've already said but just kind of going through it. Um, that fresh perspective is so exciting because to me, this is a movie that's kind of like rote memory. I've seen it so many times. I think about it, you know, it's, I think you're probably going to say a lot of things that I'm like, man, I kind of took that for granted or I haven't thought about it that way. So I'm definitely psyched for that. And hopefully Dean and I can just sit there and just, just double, double phalate work on it back and forth, back and forth. I'll tend the balls. Dean's on the shaft, you know, and Matt, Matt, maybe you're kind of the director. You're, you're telling us what to do. You're, you're giving that nice voiceover. I'm just the the Cuban dude in a white suit in the corner of the room going, yes, yes. <laughs> with like a shadow on your face, but you're sitting with your legs crossed. So you do exactly. actually show some class here because your yeah, legs are I'm, crossed. I'm who Jamie Lee Curtis thought she was dancing for in Truly. Correct. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> so that was the picture in my mind. Fucking <laughs> <Like a> true <laughs> lies. Uh, I didn't know you were so kinky. Uh, but all right. So sneakers. So, um... Sneakers was recommended me was recommended to me when I was in high school by my dear friend who will be named Bernardo. Now, 
His name is not really Bernardo, but that just goes to show you the level at which he runs deep with sneakers, okay? (laughs) (laughs) My dear friend prefers that he remain anonymous in all things at all times. And um, he... Is Bernardo de la Paz? Didn't Bernardo de la Paz, so named after the character in The Moon is a Harsh Mistress. (laughs) And... um, he uh, he turned me on to sneakers many years ago. He's like, you got to see, you got to see, you got to see it. Now, for years, this is going to sound completely and utterly retarded, but I always, before seeing sneakers, confused it with the movie Dream Team. <laughs> do you remember oh, wow. that? Do you guys remember that movie? That's a real deep pull for the old guys I and gals. I do not know that movie. <laughs> it's, a Michael, it's a Michael Keaton movie. Um, okay. I'll tell you who's in it just because... Because you guys are going to be like, wow, what a, what a cast. Is it the Dream Team? Is that the name of the movie? It's terrible. It's a Michael Keaton movie with Christopher Lloyd, Peter Boyle. See? These, these gentlemen. <laughs> and um, it's four mental patients on a field trip in New York City. So definitely not making that one today. <laughs> and um, I, wow, yeah, never yeah, heard I, of this shit because it's a te- it's a team, you know. So I, for some reason, had the I had Michael Keaton and like Peter Boyle in my head forever before I saw this movie because Dream Team came out in like the late eighties, and this came out in the mid or early nineties. So I was I was like, I don't know if I really want to see that movie, but I love my friend Bernardo, so I probably should. And then I was like, wait, <laughs> what have I been missing? What is this? Um, this was the movie that made an entire generation of people who grew up watching this movie be completely and utterly paranoid about throwing their trash away. <laughs> that was like totally. a thing. We we're like, oh my God, our trash. And then the other thing this movie did for a bunch of us friends was that we, we, do, we, were, we, were, we thought we could defeat motion sensors and motion lights, which started to become a thing by walking slowly past them. <laughs> <laughs> and it never so instead, worked. camera's got a nice long look yeah, at your yeah, face. Dude. No, just like, you know, when we would play manhunt in the neighborhood, run around and fucking, you know, the light would go on, the totally, dog would yeah. start barking. So we would be like, like sneakers, like sneakers, just move real fucking slow. And it just never worked. <laughs> so those were the two like things that I remember influencing just me as a kid growing up having seen sneakers. But um, I love this movie. I think Josh came at it from the... With, with the critical perspective of talking about the characters, the scale, the scope. I love all that stuff. Um, we're going to talk a lot about that stuff. But for me, this, this is something that I just loved. I loved that, you know, I loved that we had heroes that weren't, that were, let's be real, they're not pro-government. And that's, you know, sorry, gentlemen, I don't work for the government. That's the fucking Robert Redford line I always remembered as a kid. And I was like, ah, this guy's cool. You know what I mean? These guys are kind of doing their own thing. They're, they're trying to stay uh, apolitical, so to speak, until the very end, which is a little silly, but whatever. Um, and uh, I just dug it. I was like, that's cool. It's different. It was a real, you felt like you were watching something in terms of the espionage aspect of it that was like legitimate, you know? It's like when you watch those first 10 minutes of Thief and you're watching Michael Mann crack a safe. He's literally cracking a safe. I mean, Michael Mann's like, you're going to crack a safe now. Here's how you do it. Here's all the tools. I'm going to film it and put cool music on it. Like you feel the sense of the realism in that, just like there are times where I'm like, wow, that's really cool. That's neat, especially in 1992, guys. It was like, whoa, this is fucking wild. Um, Just the idea of electronics and in so many of Cosmo's rants are just, I mean, how relevant are they now in terms of just what he's talking about with information? It's crazy. 
It's crazy. But this was like the beginning, man. All the hackers, this is where they were starting to get in. This is like, our oh, computers. This was the tip of it all. And we see kind of where we are now. But um, I really liked your point, Josh, about the world toppling consequences are almost a periphery interest compared to watching the characters that we've come to love and that we trust, even in an ensemble cast, we feel like they're just very real. We feel that they're very principled and we can follow along with what they're doing. And um, it becomes these personal stakes that, that, that grow as the movie progresses. And that's really cool, man. And uh, yeah, I have so much good to say about this movie. I really like it. Um, and uh, man, I'm ready to dive into this bitch because goddamn, this movie, man. <laughs> hey, spoiler, love it. <laughs> right sorry yeah. you guys could probably turn it off here you know if you want to save yourself some time before we get real slops real sloppy yeah if you're one of those weirdos who only cares about finding out whether we liked it or not i guess that we're done <laughs> yeah if you want to be real disrespectful disrespectful just shut it down right now it's fine <laughs> well here we are let's talk about the opening of this movie and uh, we'll let our guest of honor start us off. Mr. Mr. Joshua. Every time I say that, I think of Lethal Weapon, by the way. Your left arm, please. <laughs> you guys are fucking out there like Pluto, man. You're fucking gone. Ed O'Ross. <laughs> Universal Soldier. Sorry. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Talk to me about this opening incident, as it were. It's great. It's, uh, we get, well, I wouldn't even call it a flashback because just this is how it opens. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think it's 1969, December, this snowy academia kind of world, some sort of college campus. And I don't know nearly enough about technology to talk about whether this is remotely, like what hacking is it actually like or not. I know it's why not don't you as do, cool why as you, hackers. Um, why don't you call your boyfriends over at Decipher Sci-Fi and see what they say? <laughs> <laughs> you run down on all the computer stealing <laughs> they'll, they'll answer the last last time I asked them a computer question I was like hey I, I need some advice on something and like I asked them a, a real question they're like they both like stop for a second they're like get Linux and I'm like you guys are get real fucking computer nerds they're so Hard deep nerd. they're so <laughs> deep <laughs> fuck you <laughs> I could see them um, just, I could see you asking those guys at the cipher just a question and then they're like you're just too dumb at this point <laughs> Like, oh, do you know totally. what I mean? Like, it's it's like you you're asking questions you don't have a frame of reference on, so you don't even know the right questions to ask. I thought they were going to chortle at me over there, <laughs> <laughs> over their Linux that's, processors. That's hilarious. Whatever. I'm over sorry, I didn't cool mean to interrupt table. you. I just I wanted to uh, I had to, I had to mention it. Yeah, I was just uh, just did a recording with them by the way. So check it out, Total Recall coming soon to Cypher Sci Fi. Right now, Chris <laughs> Peterson fists bumps for his eternal marketing campaign by always having you on. <laughs> fucking snake. Dean, I think Josh has been compromised. <laughs> oh, we got his, our eyes on him. Don't worry. <laughs> it's weird. It seems like they only ask me on when I'm about to do a podcast on the SFFP. It must just be a coincidence, though. <laughs> uh, I love those guys. I'm just fucking around in case anyone actually thinks I care. <laughs> I think they're pretty awesome. So, Josh, so, I'm sorry. You were, you, were, you were painting a picture like a story. You were talking to me about snow... snow uh, a snow-addled academia. You were talking about, you don't know if this is real or fiction, but you were talking about the hacking process here. Yeah. So we get a, we get a young, young Marty and a young Cosmo. And, uh, you know, I love their, their take on it. Cosmo is kind of the nerdy one at the computer. And Redford is not, well, Marty's not that much less nerdy. But, of course, he's wearing like a Letterman jock jacket, you know, yep. a little cooler. 
And um, they're they're hacking into things. They're hacking into different programs. They're talking about um, transferring money and, and the Republican Party. And yep. I think they're going to have some new places for the uh, the money to go. And um, they, they made a, a generous donation to the Black Panthers. Yeah, <laughs> it's great. And I mean, if you think about the context, this is December 1969. I mean, you talk about a, right. a world, an America in turmoil, especially. I mean, it's mm-hmm. pretty crazy. Um, and there's this great interaction with them about going for pizza, and Cosmo does his little Dude, coin trick. This is so good. This ah. is such a good character establishing moment. Like we get a, that is such a nice little summary of their dynamic right there. Like they are friends, they do trust each other, they do care. But Cosmo's the one who's not afraid to be duplicitous with his friends. Even it's something small. He's not being evil here, but it's <clears throat> it, it's a good reveal of the kind of person he is. It is an inkling, isn't it, into his willingness to go the step further, which right, becomes right. very important as the movie progresses. And I just want to say, Joe Marr, casting Joe Marr was a great casting for Kingsley, much better than the guy they got for Redford, right? Right. I mean, right. damn, I was like, what a good casting. I kind of forgot about this part of the movie, to it's, be honest. It's good, with you. yeah. And honestly, I was going to say, one of the only, for me, low points in this movie is young Marty's wig. Uh, but otherwise, I think he looks like a young, a young <laughs> are you Robert mean, You Redford. mean the one on his face or the one on his head? <laughs> I, think, I think they are uh, like <laughs> synchronized creatures. One's a parasite, one's the, uh, the main creature. Looks like yeah. the goddamn cat's laying on his lip. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, um, this is a great setup. Yeah, I like the I like him looking up. It's just ah, just it doesn't it pull you in like you're about to watch a cool story. The snow adds something to it. Him looking out the window, the the flashing lights coming, and of course um Marty backing away and just running away. I mean, what's he going to do? Right, right. What can he do? But and uh, of course, in this moment too, you know, we see Cosmo like when the police actually come in there and grab him. He's like screaming for Marty and you know, kicking at the window breaks it. Even I think to to try and get Marty's attention. But it's one of those moments where you can tell he's taking it super personally. I was like, Marty, why are you abandoning me in this moment? But it's like, what the fuck could Marty do? Like, exactly. he can't intervene. Like, what's he going to do? Stop all these cops? Exactly. Uh, but it, yeah. And dude, I got to say, it's this moment right here where, where once Marty, you know, looks up and sees what's happening in the window and it just decides to just turn and run. Cause there's not really much else it can do. And the snow fades into <sighs> static and we pull off of it and realize, and like even the screen around it gets bigger because we realize that was just a TV in the van and we pan over to the sleeping Robert Redford now. I was like, I like this movie. That was fucking slick. Like yeah, that man. was awesome. That is there. And I can't wait to harp on other great scene transitions and shot transitions in this movie. Dude, the technical aspect of this, the technical like filmmaking aspect of this movie had me like blown away. I, I like, I'm like, I hope they show this to filmmaking like students like in school. Like it's so well done. It is so tight. Yeah. Yeah. And he's mostly a, um, he's mostly a writer. Phil Alden Robertson, Robinson, the director. Did not direct a lot. Yeah. Yeah. He, I mean, feel the dreams he did before this. And then it was like kind of nothing except for a, a great episode of Band of Brothers. He did Kurahi. Yeah. The first episode. Or Kurahi. Sorry. I'm mispronouncing it. Um, and then it was like some of all fears the year after that. And then nothing for 12 years. Then he did The Angriest Man in Brooklyn. And he did an episode of The Good Wife. Damn. So yeah, mostly, nice mostly he's into writing by the looks of it. More writing credits, I guess, is my point. I mean, probably a great kind of movie for him where this movie rests so heavily on the writing. 
For right? sure. Yeah, great and, point. And and the the technical stuff you bring up, Matt, I mean, they're fantastic, but but I think if you're a casual casual viewer, they don't jump out at you because they're so well done. They're exactly. not trying to grab your attention. Totally. So if you like, you know, you two film fucking nerds now, <laughs> like you you can spot all that shit, but for the average person, it just it just serves to pull you in more because they're not these big flashy things. They're these just really well done you know, whether, whether it's a transition or whatever. Right. Um, right. No, I, I totally agree. And I feel like that's, it's kind of like in a weird way, it's almost like watching a very good magician versus an amateur one. Like y- you don't notice the weird pauses or anything like that. There are no weird pauses. Like everything flows and you're like, you buy into the, the, the trick. Like you don't even notice it. If it's done really, really well, you're not even hardly noticing it unless you're squinting and looking for it. Like me as a weirdo. Um, but yeah, like the movie, that would be a word I would use for it. The movie just kind of flows. Like it, it, and it, that is in large part to the way it's shot and edited, it, it, which is just so well. Yeah, good stuff. So we're in this truck and we see surveillance. Uh, I I love this. I think if you're going to do a movie with this type of action, if this if your dramatic action rests on this type of activity, espionage, breaking and entering. Uh, spy craft, I guess you could say. It really, I, I want to see, and maybe Josh can talk to me a little bit about this because I know you're really into this as well, but I really want to see surveillance. I want to see work being done on the target ahead of time. That's what I need to see. And I love we see love it, it all the time in this movie. Surveillance. Mm-hmm. What the fuck are we dealing with? It's great. Totally. Yep. And then in the cast, they just get rolling. I mean, the cars, it doesn't look... I like the set design, we'll say, um, is, is great. I like that we see monitors everywhere and wires all over the place and jury rig stuff. There's this moment where you see this roll of multicolored different electric tapes. That's just fucking realistic, man. Like, it's not this clean spotless work area that these professionals work in. It's not Mission Impossible 3, like perfect, beautiful. You know, it's like a real grungy, uh, something we like to say a lot of times on this spot is fringe when we're talking about Star Wars. The fringe, (laughs) the fringe element is just so strong, man. Yeah, it is. uh, That is a weird, like, trend that I have started to notice in, like, modern sort of, like, spy or, like, you know, just intelligence, you know, officer movies. Everything, it looks so clean, like a fucking Apple store. (laughs) And I'm like, who works in here? Like, nobody's doing work in here. It's like a bunch of models sitting around a white table pretending to fucking type on a computer. Hell yeah, man. Awesome. Um, I love that we start establishing this dynamic with the characters. Fucking Whistler, David uh, Strathairn. I don't know how to say his actual name. Strathairn. Yeah, that's right. No, he's, he's so good, dude. He's great. The, fucking Dan Aykroyd rules, man. Sidney Poitier. I mean, what? The, first of all, taking the ex-CIA man and putting him with the conspiracy theorist, by the way, a total fucking flake. Out of Monster of the Week, right? It's perfect. It's fucking perfect. I love him. Right? To put him with an ex-CIA man is just, I mean, you're asking for fireworks. It's terrific. It's kind of a stroke of genius. It's so simple. And I just love that transatlantic. Like, I love Aykroyd's voice. He... You can tell he's such a trained thespian, so to speak, the way he speaks so articulate, and it's just something I've always liked about Aykroyd as a kid was... 
his patois, so to speak. I just loved the way he talked, you know, <laughs> just the way he talked. Ask your man over here. He used to be a CIA man, you know, like the way he says shit is just great. He's just naturally a funny man. And uh, you're just, and, and ah, man, Sydney, like Donald Kreese, what a badass. The one guy, you know, takes certain aspects of all of this stuff so seriously, knowing that, that you know, our, our group, you could argue, is is pretty they're pretty unequipped to handle violence right totally which totally. is where crease comes in and i just like it man i like ah, it's just good the dynamic whistler the freaking braille get out of here <laughs> the circuitry in the van when they're doing uh you know the, the circuitry when they're buzzing in the phone lines you just feel like okay this shit's for real when Aykroyd's a down once he down underground or something Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's underground uh, tapping into the alarm system. Or actually, <laughs> the phone. Or, uh, you know what? Yeah, he's doing the phone so that yeah. when the security guard calls out for 911, he just gets Whistler. <laughs> it's yeah. So it's so great. It's just, what a setup. And dude, you know what's and, so and since f- we mentioned all the other ones, you got to mention River Phoenix here. Oh, totally. He's God. great. Because, and man, talk about like a gut punch, like brutal shit taken away too soon. He's His last he's movie, I think, wasn't it? yeah i think it might be he died when i was in high school and this is sounds about right that's fucking messed up dude yeah yeah carl is such a great he's such a great part of this you know the there's such an age range and a perspective range i mean you have you have mother increase on the most opposite side (laughs) of the political spectrum right with (laughs) with you know marty kind of naturally fitting in the middle the like straight no man kind of land yep. you know going his own way whistler just he's he's great but he his thing is so much more his performance as as this as this blind guy bringing this unbelievable expertise to these things and then carl has this naivety but also he's great at moments not super just, competent when he needs super to be. competent yep. yeah i mean he plays a couple absolutely critical roles so the the team really there's no there's no wasted space here. There's nobody that's these guys aren't written in because they're like, all right, well, we need to have this kind of personality, that kind of personality. We need to set up the hijinks and whatnot. It's like this is a super believable crew. And then they give them backgrounds and and personalities and then their interaction, it kind of feels like it comes out of that. Instead of mm-hmm. it doesn't feel like they're like, all right, we want the crazy conspiracy guy and we want the CIA guy so they can have this like meh, meh, meh. it's like no, <laughs> they get these roles and that comes out of it. Yes. Um, you know you know what you're describing to me, it's 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 funny. I've just been kind of pouring back through a lot of um, just like books like On Writing by King and I was pouring back through the screenplay, a couple of screenplay books that I had read a long, long time ago and I was pretending I knew how to write. And um, there's, you know, there's something you're describing, Josh, that I love and that's, and I think it's King, he says it when he's talking about On Writing, which is, he says, I don't, uh, he says, my characters kind of, I think he described it as uh, uncovering a fossil. And he says, he kind of just finds the site. I'm really fucking this up. He kind of finds the site and then the characters start to brush away the dirt from the skeleton and he has no idea what he's going to find. So it's almost like what you're saying is we get these great characters with great actors and then we just allow them to tell the story, so to speak. And it just feels natural in the dialogue. Like it wasn't canned shenanigans, like you're saying, right? right. It's like yeah. they tell you the story. That's that's what it was. He says, you know, the, the characters kind of tell me the story. I know who the characters are and where they come from, 
but I don't know how they're going to interact when they meet this other character. And that's almost, in a nutshell, King describing the creative process. And it's cool that we get to see it here in this movie, the way it plays out through the dialogue, which doesn't feel overly canned. Because Aykroyd is just fucking great. The way he just spouts it off, it feels like Aykroyd, and you don't ever feel like it's yuck-yuck time with him. Right, right. And, and I was reading something earlier today that I feel like put it really well, especially with, with Carl, River Phoenix's part. Like, you can tell, like, his character is very much an archetype for this type of movie, this kind of the younger team member. Like, it's almost a trope, but it doesn't feel like it. Like, it, it, he feels like his own person. And I mean, and that's to River Phoenix's credit. Um, and I know, uh, the, what's his name, Tobolowski, the guy who plays... Dude. Uh, Dude, the, yeah, like the guy, the, the guy who works for the company that um, yeah, yeah, she goes yeah. on a date Werner, with and everything. Werner. <laughs> Werner, that's his name. Yeah, uh, he even talked about like this was the most fun he'd ever had on a set with a movie, and you can almost feel that in the movie. Like the cast actually got along; we're actually friendly and you know uh, ad libbing with one another, and it just feels natural. Like Carl never feels like he's the setup for punchlines. You know, that, that's not, that's not him. He just is naturally a more energetic, younger, kind of funny, horny kid on the team. And they all like him and know him. And, and it just, the funny elements, like you were saying, Josh, they kind of just emerge. It, it doesn't feel like set up, knock down, set up, knock down. To, I don't know how to say his name. Is it Tobolski? Tobolski? Tobolowski? Tobolowski. There you go. Well done. Yeah, you know, he is, um, just as a side note, if you haven't watched Californication, he's in it and he's fucking hilarious, dude. He is a funny bastard, that guy, which is why, I mean, he plays this role so well because he just has a. He has a comedian in him. I think he's a funny dude, at least in totally. that show. He's, 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 he's a big podcaster nowadays, too. Yeah, yeah. I know. He's, he crushes the TV and film category. <laughs> he sure does. <laughs> Son of a bitch. I got my eye on him. <laughs> but um, can I just say something about Carl before we move on here? I know we're kind of jerking off all over this thing. But um, you, you have to make Carl believable. You have to make Carl competent while still having the whimsical nature of a, of, of a young man. And you and we believe it because it, what we have to believe is what I'm trying to grasp at here is that this group of men that are very professional would have him. Mm-hmm. Exactly. He can't I, be a fucking bumbling fuck up because no. this group would cut him loose. And in a more cynical way, it's like heat. Like we have the guy who fucks up the thing and they can't stand him. Like- Dinner was like, I want to fucking kill this guy. Like, you, you have to, if you have a crew that's believable in a picture like this, you have to, we have to know that this crew wouldn't have this fuck up on board. And that's what makes so much sense about this. Totally. And later on, he proves it. Like, he proves, you know, just in his agility, like, that's kind of part of what he brings to the team. Obviously, he has, like, a pretty expert skills in just burglary and navigating these things, but that that is his forte. I mean, you, at this point, you still wouldn't see Robert Redford or Sidney Poitier getting, you know, running continuously through, uh, like, AC fucking corridors. <laughs> like, that's, that's, we're going to give that to River Phoenix. Makes sense. For sure. Um, and, and essentially what we have here is I, I, I've always, God, it must've started with this movie, but I've always loved the hire people to break into your own place to test your own security thing. I love that shit. Right. Gentlemen, uh, what do they mean, call that tiger team? Is that, uh, I think that's a reference to that kind of thing. Oh, is it? I didn't know that. See that? But, I think um, a tiger team is that. Cool. Yeah. And that's what we have here, right? Gentlemen, your communication lines are vulnerable, right? He just lays it on them. He says, your communication fire exits need to be monitored. 
You rent the cops are a tad under trained. Outside of that, everything seems to be just fine. And he hands them their money that he just stole. <laughs> and now where's my Here check? I love that. Wh- who's got and, my check? <laughs> and dude, one of my favorite aspects of this movie, um, and it was so funny, I watched uh, Siskel and Ebert's review of this movie when it came out. And for one, uh, Siskel gave it a marginal, he said, <laughs> thumbs up. And Ebert gave it a marginal thumbs down uh, and nitpicked no some shit where I'm, like, where I'm like, fuck you, Ebert. I think you're wrong, actually, on the, even the specific things he brought up. Um, but they kept talking about how, like, well, you know, it's just such a technological thriller. It's all about the technology, the technology, the technology. And I was like, I could not disagree more. Like, the technology is at the forefront of the movie, but I feel like what makes this movie so good and their their heist so interesting is that it's still very much rooted in people. Like, there's really not that much technology going on in this opening scene. I mean, they tacked into the phone lines. They they have uh, monitoring equipment and everything. But at the end of the day, Robert Redford had found a way to get a safety deposit box and put something, I guess, like a detonated flammable thing in there. That's pretty simple. It goes off, it sets the alarms, and then they just run in there. Like, it's still a very human element to all these things. Like, they don't overly rely on the technology. The technology is not a crutch in this movie. You know what is the number one way to, to show that, that that criticism is wildly wrong? Is you watching this for the first time 27 years later and loving it. Right, <laughs> because because movies that try to rely on like look how cool the tech is, um, hackers, <laughs> you know, <laughs> they don't hold up well unless you have nostalgia for them. So right. indeed, yeah, I mean that's a crazy. Uh, I think that they just swung and missed on that one. Swung and missed. Yep. Um, I would like to reference uh, Indiana Jones and the Crystal Skull. What is it called again? That <laughs> Kingdom of the Crystal. Skull. Thank you. That movie we just covered. <laughs> That we've already forgotten. Okay. Here's why I want to reference it. Because, boy, could have River Phoenix made a great young indie? I mean, he did. <laughs> yeah, for a second. But <laughs> thinking, Holy shit, yeah. But, or or, or that, that monk character. God. Yeah. Fuck, that's so true. God damn. That would have been good. Yeah. Well, um, so I like this little cute exchange he has with the woman at the bank. He's like, oh, you break in to steal people's money? Not much of a living. <laughs> As she hands him the check. It's a living, not a very good one. Yeah, that's what it is. <laughs> but um, we've got customers, exclaims Carl. Shoes. Yeah, that's great. Expensive. <laughs> that's so great. <laughs> Dude, Robert Redford rules. He's really good in this, man. He's really good, man. And, and ah, man. Three Days of the Condor, it's the same kind of shit, you know? This is the movie that, as a, as a like I said, I was pretty young, 13, 14, that introduced Robert Redford to me. I don't know if I'd ever seen him in anything else, but this is the movie that I was like, I, I really like this guy. I want to watch more movies with him. And uh, man, I love me some Roger, Robert Redford. Dude, I had to get over not liking him. That's, really? Dude, wow. are you ready to hear why? Oh God, please. So I didn't, I didn't see Sneakers in the theater. I probably saw it in 1995 or something like that. And um, before, and I hadn't seen, I didn't see Flight, I saw Flight of the Condor um, later as well. I discovered that one later. And then, of course, a bunch of other shit he's done. But the first movie I saw with him in the theater, I think I was with a girl, so please don't make fun of me, was the film Indecent Proposal. <laughs> oh, <laughs> Which my is God. a movie with Woody Harrelson, uh-huh. Demi Moore, and Robert Redford as an aging man at this point. And he wants to sleep with Demi Moore so bad, he's willing to pay them, the couple, a million dollars. And it, like, infuriated me as a young man. Uh, I was so mad. 
I was so mad and I hated him for that. I was like, how dare he? See, that's this how you know fucking, he's a good actor. This rich old guy. Like that was me back then, right? <laughs> so stupid. And like I had to get over that. And then I saw three days, then I saw sneakers. So I was like, ah, this guy fucking rules. Never mind. Forget that other stupid movie, which I hate, by the way. <laughs> See, that's that's honestly such a good sign of an actor being excellent because you like can't get past how they riled you up. Like that was like for years, anytime my dad ever saw Tom Berenger in a movie, he was like, Ah, fuck this guy. And I was like, Sergeant why don't you Barnes. Like- yeah, exactly. <laughs> I was like, why don't you like him? Because he's like, fuck Sergeant Barnes, that's why. Dude, <laughs> fucking Sergeant Barnes rules. <laughs> so evil. Oh God! Anyway, oh, shit. all right. That guy was uh, Shane from Walking Dead for me. <laughs> oh, Barenthal. <laughs> that yeah. makes sense. Is that his name, Shane? Sh- yeah, yeah, no, no, no. yeah. Whatever. Uh, yeah, John Barenthal. Yeah, Barenthal. Yeah. So anyway, back to sneakers. My, I apologize. I'm pulling us all over the place here. Um, sorry, gentlemen. Don't work for the government. <laughs> so. It's great. And I love this. Um, uh, I love that he just you attacks ha- all the agencies. Give me a rod in my oh. pants. <laughs> I knew I knew you were just going to go bonkers for the all, Oh, Oh, you're the guys I hear breathing on my phone at the end. No, that's the FBI. <laughs> we're not chartered for domestic surveillance. Oh, I see. You just overthrow governments and set up. No, nope, that's the CIA. Ah! Love them. <laughs> no, <Nope>, CIA. <laughs> and I love that after we, we've gotten our introduction to all the other characters, but their take right these two guys these two agents, agents. right that we're gonna meet here their their run through of mother and carl and whistler and and their uh, dark side a yeah, little bit or, awesome. or from the government's perspective the dark side right wallace and gordon yeah mm-hmm. good shit i love that if you change your mind call us at this number and it's a picture of his old wanted poster god damn and he calls him by mr. his real name mr bryce well damn dude they got you so well martin has to go meet the man at this building um with this great foreshadowing they took away my home man right government took my home ah that's good, good. This, this was some like out of they live shit like, dude, the, scene, total- the two scenes of the exterior of that building i just expected that heavy bass line to drop in <laughs> with the harmonica over it <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> put on the glasses fucking piper um r.i.p love that guy so he has to go see him and we hear about a man named gunther janik right yes yes mathematician there you go gunther janik um josh do you remember once upon a time i ran an old star wars game and there was a pretty badass agent named rannick joban yeah. That's my little portman too of this fucking oh. character. Get <laughs> <Look at> you. <laughs> um anyway, so um you know, one thing that does feel a little dated is that, you know, they reference the Russians as like the bad guys and that, you know, we just can't get that perspective anymore. Yeah. <laughs> Fortunately, that's never going to be a thing ever again. Right. <laughs> yeah, you just have no idea. <laughs> too funny. But no, what I what I actually like about it too is how they keep referencing how the Russians are our friends now, so it's actually harder to spy on them. <laughs> like mm. now, like now we're really not supposed to, but we still are, and they still are. Yep. Um, they talk about uh, this guy being a math nerd, Coolidge, right? Three hundred eighty thousand dollar grant. Uh, way out of profile for him. We suspect the money was coming from Russia. They literally say it was traced to Russia, like Josh was saying. Um, and I love the way this guy just says, by the way, like, like the, they, I mean, 
the more things change, the more they stay the same, right? His line is literally, we spy on them, they spy on us. <laughs> God, things never change. They intercepted a fax. C-Tech astronomy comes up. And um, Marty's like, well, why can't you do it yourselves? And he's told that the FBI, as they're claiming to be, right? Well, not really. Well, they're claiming to be NSA. NSA. Can't work for them without approval from congressional oversight committees. And we don't have time. And frankly, it's illegal. So first of all, these kind of setups, I love. Love I love it's like two truths, one lie. Or or in this case, two (laughs) lies, one truth. Yes, it's illegal. But the rest of it's bullshit. It's like appealing to him. You know, they, they know they got to handle him correctly because he's savvy. So they have to convince him. Um, and I just like that. You know, it's just slick. Totally. And honestly, this is another great example of this, just the way the scene is shot adding to the story. For because sure. at, at first, they're, you know, they're talking to him. They're talking to him about the mathematician, <laughs> talking to him about C-Tech. And then they all sit down at the table together. And they're proposing a little, you know, basically what they would pay them. And, you know, and the other dude, I think it's... Um, Gordon, the, the the older guy, I can't remember his The older guy is Wallace. The shotgun Wallace. man is Wallace. Right, right. The, so the Wallace, one that commits most of the violence in the, between exactly. the two men. Exactly. <laughs> uh, but Wallace is like, oh, and you can distribute it to the poor if you want, because that's what he you know, had been yeah, yeah, yeah. known for doing earlier. Uh, but as soon as he goes, sorry, no deal, the camera starts to turn. Yes. The, each of them stand up, and they stand over him, and the camera zooms in on Redford. And by the end of the scene, even they put their arms on the table in front of him. It's Crisscross. Like, yeah. Yeah, it's visually like he's being confined. And at this point, they are referencing and saying that hey if you don't basically if you don't do this for us we're gonna go ahead and just send you to prison because you're a wanted man and that's yep. that and like the camera closes in on him they close in on him and it's like he's being put into a cell and that's when you see him thinking about it harder that's such good filmmaking so fucking good 10 points to gryffindor nice and what a great way to set up the the eventual double cross here of of these guys is it, it, it's not like all right these are the good guys and they're gonna get them the job and then eventually betray them they're giving him the job, but they set it up that you don't like them right, right off the bat. Right. Like, these are not people you really like. Um, it's kind of like a, you have to do this, but they're sleazy and there's mm-hmm. consequences. And that makes it much more believable. Yeah. The coercion. Because you're not looking at it, the coercion and it's, it's not too good to be true. It's yep. like, yep. this kind of sucks. You're in a shitty situation. So when that, when that switcheroo happens, I mean, like I said, it's hard to remember my exact initial reactions because I've seen this movie so many damn times. Sure. <laughs> but I know I was surprised, like blew my pants off when, when they ended up not being those guys at cafe scene later. It's great, Dude. man. I, I like What I like about this as well is that it's going to be really hard for you to present yourself as a government knowing what we know about Marty and his principles and not use coercion to get him to do what you want if we want to maintain the integrity of the character, correct? It's going to be really hard to persuade him based right. on what we know as to how he has been since he was a student. And that's what makes it believable. I also like that they approach him on account of him keeping his mouth shut. That is a great way for them to appeal to how, what they know about the man. Not only can you stay hidden for 20 years, you know how to keep your mouth shut. It's like they're appealing to his sensibilities, and I dig it. But as you guys have pointed out, the threat of coercion, the way they frame this shot, it's a reminder like, ooh, I mean, slime, slimy. Totally. Right? And dude, and it's such a little clue. I noticed it so much more on my second viewing uh, when they're like, well, you know, like your buddy Cosmo, we all know what that did to him 12 years in prison because mm. he thinks he's dead. And dude, these guys know the truth. They are really turning the screws. Brutal. And Marty tells the fellas, and uh, they're like, wow, you've lied to us. Kreese is so pissed off about this. Yep, yep. Kreese is a man, you know what I like about Kreese? 
he is a guy who prides himself on the cohesion of the unit and the security. This is a security concern for Kreese. Uh, I like that we see it makes sense without him. Man, man, you know what I love about this movie? <laughs> so many things. But Kreese, we know Kreese's background. We understand it. It's not like he have to explicitly say why this bothers him. We know why. We get it. We know him being a former CIA man, right? Exactly. Makes sense. But as they all kind of, you know, when Chris presses it, Marty's like, we know why you had to leave. They know why you had to leave the CIA. He's almost kind of like saying, listen, like, we've kind of all in this shit together here. Right, right. Or even just pointing out that fact, like, hey, you know, we all, once the feds are here, we're all kind of lying to them. Like, all of us are. It's not like I'm, you know, just being the one dirty liar among us. I was kind of lying to protect myself and you guys. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, Chris. And not just lying to them. We've kind of been lying to each other a little bit, or at least withholding. That's the whole thing here. That that's Crease's problem. Why. Yeah, that's Crease's problem. But that's the they. None of them know why Crease left the CIA. Right. No, right. Exactly. <laughs> Marty kind of brings up like, "Hey, how you doing? Relax." <laughs> and Crease just kind of turns around. <laughs> and man, I love how Crease comes back into the fold. Yes. Right. Dude. As they go around, he, he has the mama bear like. I, I can't let you idiots do this, like, dude. It's no, great. You can't protect yourselves, like, dude. His oh, line: so "You'll be chalk. You guys will be chalk outlines without me." All right, what do we need? Yeah, yeah, that's what it is. It's a great line. <laughs> oh, so fucking oh. good. And Martin breaks it down. Right, he says we're going to start with light surveillance, level three. First sign of babysitters, we back off. He's giving a lecture at UC. I'm going to go check him out. Any questions? Right? This is great. Uh, obviously, Marty's the face man, you would say, of this group, right? Totally. <laughs> 100%. And I like, again, going back to the stakes. I mentioned it earlier. It's relatively small, personal. Even when it gets big scale, it stays feeling small. And you talk about it here. This isn't... I like the Mission Impossible movies. I really do. Me too. I enjoy them. But, you know, the stakes here, these guys aren't the ultimate tier one best of the best of the They're best. They're not Delta Force? No. <laughs> Just the fact that they're even going against any kind of live target is like a whole sure. shit kind of moment. Even though it's it's some some jagoff, you know, math professor. Right. Like it's, you know, that's, that's what Martin kind of spells. I'm like, yes, it's a live target. They're unaware. However, there's no reason to expect any, you know, mm -hmm. any kind of whatever. Um, the stakes... The stakes are high for them, but they're low compared to what a lot of cinema throws at us. And yes. And then when the stakes are raised slightly, it makes it so much more intense for us. Yeah, right. like just, just alerting the authorities, that blows. You have fucking mm. 10 cops after you or five right. security guards with shotguns. You're in fucking trouble, man. Right. And that's Even honestly if they're nitwits. Totally. And that's honestly, I, I, I really like what you said, uh, Josh, as far as like comparing it to Mission Impossible as well. The kind of a problem with those movies is that our heroes are just so, and even like Jason Bourne, like they're so competent that you're kind of never worried for them. Like eight guys come rushing towards Jason Bourne. You're like, yeah, he's gonna kill all these dudes. Like it's fine. It's <laughs> fine. It's Jason fucking Bourne. He's gonna break their noses, throw them through walls. He's gonna be fine. And with this, with knowing that these guys are extremely competent and skilled in what they're skilled at, but that they're not like professional soldiers or anything. When you see even two cops interrogating them, you're worried for them. You're like, shit, this is, this is a tough spot for them. Right. Yeah, absolutely. They don't have, they, you know, they're not, they're not in some foreign country 
climbing down an elevator shaft without being able to touch a floor, right? It's <laughs> with with really loose rules of engagement. You're in fucking the United States, and you're at a goddamn toy factory, man. Like you, you. There are different rules for you guys, and as you guys have already pointed out, much different. They're not, you know, tier one operators. Right. Right. Anyway. We go to the U.S. Uh, UC speaking scene. This fucking guy. What is oh, this dude's I, name well, again? You know, first, first we meet Liz. He goes oh, over. Oh shit! 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 Uh, you know, and, and that's a short scene. It's they found me. Over. The government. <laughs> right. That is it. Oh boy. Brings great, it, I, I love how dismissive she is until he says that. Yeah, because she's dealt with this before. Right. He's a runner. Mm-hmm. He's a runner. He's a, he's a little sleazy. I mean, not yep. not terribly, but. You have to be a little sleazy, at least in terms of not probably not a good romantic partner to share your life with somebody that has to hide their identity and you know and whatever. Mm-hmm. So I mean, we we I was just she, saying she she's seen enough of that shenanigans, right. and right. until until he drops that on her, she wants nothing to do to get pulled back into that. Right? Yeah, it, it's funny. We 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 always look at people who have criminal backgrounds or even deal in illegal enterprises. When, we're, when we have our movie lenses on, we see them so much differently than when we consider those people in real life. We're so much more, like, disgusted. We, we moralize so much more, like, oh, my God, he sells marijuana? What? <laughs> and in a movie, so we'd be true. like, oh, I love this character. You know what I mean? Like, right? it's weird. Exactly. It's weird. It's weird. It's so true. <laughs> but anyway, um, uh, uh, I'm going to keep saying Rannick, but it's Janik. Janik talks about cryptography. Um, not just large number theory, right? And she says, no, she, he's talking about unbreakable codes. And, and we just see, we're setting up the, the, the crazed genius guy. Oh, Can yeah. you recognize Colton? Yeah, dude. Oh, Brutal. Yeah. Colton. I, could, the, I don't know the actor's name. What is it? Donald Logue or something? Yes, that's uh, it. Donald Logue. One of, Matt, I don't know if you've uh, seen much X-Files, but he's in one of the first episodes as one of the most obnoxious characters ever yeah, dude. in the X-Files. Oh, I feel like I have a hazy memory of that. He's only in one. He never comes back, but he's just, oh thank, my God, God, he's brutal. Yeah. He's been in quite I, a few movies, this guy. I always remember how he's the vampire who Blade fucks up constantly. Oh, yes, that's right. <laughs> I fucking didn't make that connection before. Yeah, Holy man. shit. All the time. But Blade, dude, dude, Blade cuts off his arm like every other day in that movie. Yeah, that's funny. Well, we end up meeting Greg, a Russian cultural atta- cultural attaché, and he's a charming Eastern Bloc man. Mm-hmm. Right? It is confusing time in my country. Ah, this guy. This even this bit rolls great. Everybody. You can't trust him. Like, right? You know what I mean? But but you're like, I, I kind of want to. Right? Exactly. That's what's so good about his character. It's a small part. But the fact that he is actually, he is so nice and charming that you're like, well, shit, maybe he is okay. Like even, you know, even Marty's like, ah, he's, he's harmless. Don't worry about him. Yeah. Like he kind of dismisses him. Even though at the end of the day, you're like, yeah, you can't fully trust this guy. You definitely don't divulge secrets to him. Sure, sure. Yeah, I like, I like that we have... Um, my notes just say he's a bit too gregarious, right? <laughs> like, you're like, oh, oh man, I don't know, right? But um, is that a terrible pun? 
<laughs> you like Brutal it? Uh, Liz, Liz, you want to talk more about great writing though? I, sorry, I just wanted to say the, you know, Marty and Liz, their relationship, what a lot of worst movies do is they, they have this long back and forth. Oh, God. Like, you know, for four years, I had to put up with your lies uh, and blah, blah, blah. Like Marion Ravenwood? Yeah. <laughs> 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 we learn... You know, we we get we get that they had that relationship right in the initial interaction, but we learn more about the the stakes of it and and how they were good in a lot of ways from how other characters treat them that knew them together, like you Greg. Know, yeah, how excited Greg is! My heart leaps to see the <laughs> fucking together. guy leaps. <laughs> I can stop I am a leaping. <laughs> um, but no I, that again you're totally right josh like i i love how this movie just lets the actors perform these characters and lets their dynamic kind of give correct the feeling of how they used to be like there's no it's not like they hate each other there's no hard bad feelings there she's just like Ugh, i don't want to get all tied up in that again we ended where we ended and it's done like and we don't have to get into it past that you just you slowly see how they are still connected they still have a a, a basically like a friendship dynamic and that there's just something kind of holding them back. And that's all you really need to know. Yeah. I, uh, sadly though, to be perfectly frank guys, I was really hoping for a flashback scene where we kind of learn a little bit more about Greg's relationship to Marty, perhaps um, some kind another of rainy, wig, another really sloppy wig, a, a wig and perhaps a rainy betrayal of sorts, <laughs> but nothing too serious. I would have really preferred that with real stylized <laughs> Dutch angles, perhaps black and white. Greg, no. <laughs> <laughs> He just throws some sort of piece of paper in a fire. He's got a fucking leather glove on. We shoot it from inside the fire as Gregory puts the fucking... Kill me now. Until this cold war ends, we cannot truly be friends. Yeah. <laughs> now back to my wessel. Yeah, exactly. By the way, love his line here. Now that our countries are such good friends, perhaps you can occasionally do a favor for me. I'm like, dude... Though it's just like <laughs> such good friends. Yeah, sure. <laughs> um, Marty thinks he's harmless, but Liz does not. I like that. Yeah, yeah. Yep. Don't blame her. So Greg follows our man, and we begin the surveillance with a pretty funny scene, man. This stuff with Elena, the Czechoslovakian oh, the professor. professor. <laughs> <laughs> so good. I want to. I, uh, by the way. <laughs> This shit, this is hilarious, man. The 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 scaredy cat nerd math guy. No, I don't wanna. I gotta get back to my numbers. I gotta get back to my work. We my numbers need accounting. Get them tits out of here. <laughs> and I don't know why, man. I feel like this could be so hacky, but the whole part with Crease and Marty and Carl oh, so, like watching is so fucking funny and well so done funny me. man like i laugh out loud every time when i watch it now <laughs> it's yeah so it's subtle it's super subtle and good like i love the line that marty has to carl's carl's like oh can i look and he's like grow up and he goes away and then crease comes over <laughs> and he's like can i look and he's like all right <laughs> it's just so good it's awesome. subtle i leave yeah. message on here i leave message here on service but you do not call oh man <laughs> She is hot to trot. Oh, got it bad for him. Maybe there's a frame or two where she doesn't block it. Fucking mother. <laughs> yeah, right here, they're just trying to get a good look on Janik's hands to see what the password to his computer is. Awesome. Because th they still think they got to really do a lot of digging through his info to figure out, you know, where this box could be, if he has it, or whatever it is. 
surveillance. That's exactly. why I love this shit. I love the intelligence gathering process. It gives me wood. Oh, totally. I love it. Yeah. It's not just, here's everything we need to know, now infiltrate facility, right? Right. It's, right. The, the process is important. The pro- the, it's not a check in the box to do this, the snazzy actions. Correct. Correct. Which, exactly. Which is what real surveillance is. Like, yes. The surveillance is the important shit. It's it, not- Real espionage, inf- right? Yeah. Right. Yep. Absolutely. Right. Real espionage is 99% surveillance and- For sure. 1% any kind of action. And totally. that's what- that's that's. So the action choice is the surveillance and not the actual infiltration portion of it until we start to creep along towards the end of the movie. And that's, and we're not even talking like outrageous Mission Impossible shit and they get caught anyway. So anyway, um, <laughs> and, they're trying uh, to piece together the password from the blurry keystrokes. I think you already mentioned that, Matt. Right, right. And the, I would say the only technological thing that stands out in this movie is still silly, but everybody else does it too, is the enhance, enhance, enhance parts. It's like, <laughs> ah, that's, that's still impossible, guys. But I accept, <laughs> I accept it. That's funny. But I, I like that it's still not super well done. They're like, ah, that could be it's like grainy. A, right. It's, it's grainy, and they, they can't really fully see the finger strokes, so they're, they're having to kind of guess and going back and forth. I love and, that. And then the moment with the whistler. Dude. Man, and I love this character, and I want to bring up Taylor in the chat. Um, said earlier on, made a joke comparing him to uh, Fitchner's character in Contact. Oh, like, oh Jesus hacky, Christ! The hacky blind character versus this hurts. How great this hurts. <laughs> Whistler is. Um, Can I ban him from the chat? <laughs> <laughs> no, no, he was making a funny I, joke. I'm just fucking around, dude. <laughs> but you know, they're they're going over and over and. He says, guys, the black box is between the, what, I forget what he says, the yeah. pencil erasers or what, you know, the pencil in, sharpener and this on the desk. And mother's like, um, I need to tell you this, Whistler, but you're blind. <laughs> That's so good. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Don't look. Listen. Well, and that's, you know, because the problem with uh, the character in Contact is his entire character was just a blind guy. <laughs> like, that's that's his character, blind. There's all the characteristics about him, basically, and that he's not an asshole. That's basically it. Like, Whistler gets time to to actually do things, to actually have personality. Right. We we, he, we actually went by, right by a really good line of his earlier on when, when Marty's talking to him about, like, you know, guys, you don't have to go in on this with me. I have to do it to clear my name. But, you know, you don't have to be involved just to clear my name and keep me out of jail. And then he's like, well, you know, to be honest, I don't really uh, care about that, about you going to jail. I just want the money. <laughs> right. It's <laughs> like, fucking amazing. It's so good. Yep. So they know the box. They need to go and grab that box, right? So Mother starts to equip our man Martin for some infiltration. He gives him a concealable mic, same one used to fake the moon landings. God bless him. <laughs> God bless mother. So funny. Um, by the way, Martin's face, his mother explains it, is priceless. <laughs> when he's talking about the moon landings, dude, Robert Redford's face is just like, you've got to be kidding me right now. He's <laughs> <laughs> just one of those super intelligent people who's so dumb about other things, and you're just like, ah, whatever. <laughs> like, you just accept it. You're like, all right, you're always going to talk about that shit. All right, fine. It's awesome. <laughs> uh, let's see. So we mentioned we we've already sung Carl's praises, but right here, oh, man, he's perfect. This is so. I, I love good. this play. This yes. is con con artist shit one hundred and one, overwhelming the guy with confusion. Right? Yeah. Hey, Ebert, you're a fucking idiot. Yes. Watch this scene again. Exactly. The technology. This the clip, is the human. clipboard. The clipboard is really. Um, <laughs> and there's that. <laughs> Sir, I could lose my job. 
Right. It's, yeah, exactly. Like the, what actually gets them in here, the crux of, of them being able to get in close is a totally human ploy playing off of somebody's distraction. Like that's what it is. And that's Guys, what's so fucking cool. Phoenix is 22. Wow. How good is he? Super good. Such he's a, a fucking man. Like he, he's acting, he's pulling this off like he's 32, you know, or, or older. I mean, he's just a natural. <laughs> Totally. But again, you, you love that this is this isn't you know they're not getting into Fort Knox. Yes, exactly. This is some like what is it a restricted academic workplace or whatever? It's a hotel. Like this, is it a hotel? Isn't it? Yeah. Oh, I guess so. No, well, that's his office though upstairs. That's not a hotel room. Oh, I don't know. I thought it was a hotel. Oh, but, it's the Coolidge. I mean, it's the Coolidge Institute. There you go. Oh, there okay. We go. But again, the stakes being appropriate. Like this Correct. is something that it's so minor. But hey, it, it's a security guard. It's work. And you have to get past him. Yeah. He's a professional. He doesn't want to lose his fucking job. <laughs> yeah. Good but stuff. A simple little thing. That, that birthday party up on five. Push the goddamn buzzer. They just overwhelm him into compliance to what seems like a pretty innocuous thing. A man trying to bring a cake up and, and you know, making the con run deep. Like by walking up to the desk and saying, did a cake arrive for me? No? Oh, okay. And then you start overwhelming him with man number two. Right? It's great, man. Just just good shit. Totally. Um, <laughs> and even in the next scene here, once he gets to the door and he's like, ah, oh, there's a digital keypad. Uh, you guys know any way to get through that? And, you know, Kreese is like looking at all this like information and he's like, well, this might work. And then we have that long moment that's of, great. Of, of Marty looking at it going, uh-huh, uh-huh, like listening in his earpiece. Okay. All right, I'll try it. And then he just fucking kicks the door open. It's fucking beautiful. <laughs> yeah, it worked. <laughs> it's beautiful. It's, it's probably- my buddy. My buddy was in Desert Storm. Of course, he was on the other side. <laughs> <laughs> I love the way I you you know they're just describing like where to kick the door. Totally. Totally. <laughs> yeah. So after he boots the door off the hinges or in at least um I don't think he expected uh to find uh to get interrupted, I guess you could say, by right. uh, Elena. <laughs> she kind of rolls in like and he plays it cool. Nice to see you. Then he kind of grabs her forcefully. Yeah. I love that. Such a baller-ass move. Anybody walking by is like, oh, just two old friends meeting in that office. La, 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 la. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. In this, yes. uh, is she looking for round two already? Oh, yeah. Thirsty. Yeah, I think just... I need more. <laughs> Real thirsty. <laughs> My hole goes unfilled for too long. <laughs> Czechoslovakian broads didn't know how to take a punch, you know? <laughs> She's back for round two really quick. But um, them coaching him through this is really funny because oh, it's, it's so like good. he's he's frozen in a moment, and um, this is just really good Robert Redford stuff here. Totally, totally, and I love how like you can't even be like, oh, he's incompetent here; he doesn't know how to think on his feet. Like the whole operation, they had absolutely no expectation of running into anybody, and a very reasonable expectation of not running into anybody. So I love how he truly has no story prepared at all. He's just like, ah, uh, yeah, who who am I? <laughs> <laughs> and this this whole interchange kind of it encapsulates everything I was rambling about in the beginning. What I think of this movie is, you know, you have this tiny little scene. They're on this infiltration again. You talk about the low stakes, but then again, there's this unexpected wrinkle thrown in, and and there's tension, but there's also so much great humor in here, and everybody contributing. Where they're all kind of at a loss, and it really puts Marty has to come up with something right away. But then he kind of runs out of steam, and he relies on his team. They they have to give him a little bit more to go on, and it kind of goes back and forth. And it's it's the whole team working together. It's funny. There's some tension, but it's oh man, it's just a great little interchange. 
Yeah, it's great. And I like the way, it's a clever way for us to get the whole team involved on this so it doesn't just become Robert Redford's film. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> and Good. just a couple of moments there where he's, you know, they're like, uh, uh, we don't have one for this. We don't have a good excuse. And he's like, uh, well, who think you pay? Who think you? Who do you think paid for your little jaunt down to Mexico City? And she's like, oh! and they're, they're like, oh yeah, that was good, good improv. <laughs> yeah, it's really good shit here. Um, give him <laughs> the way he's, the way he hangs on that is just brilliant. Good shit out of Bradford, man. Um, but he breaks it down, you know, convinced uh, that she's married. Wife is vindictive. We're just pawns in this game. If you love him, really love him. Keep on loving him. You know, just shit like that. Um, and that is some great on your feet improv because basically she walks away not with any suspicions and wanting, and even more sympathetic to Janik and not wanting to tell him any of this. Sure, like it's a sure. perfect out. Yeah. Be a beacon in his sad and lonely life. <laughs> <laughs> They just laugh their asses off. Uh, cut to them having some fun. They got some success dancing. Love it. Yeah, of course, party up, man. You just want to. You just got yourself 175 grand. Martin's getting his his whole past wiped out. They got through this. Probably, I mean, 175 grand. Again, we joke about. I've mentioned low stakes, but that's a lot of money for these guys that are mm-hmm. just kind of grinding through this for a living. This is a big deal. This is a huge win. And it obviously has a lot more personal stakes for Marty. But uh, yeah, it's nice. And again, you, you get to see everybody kind of drop their guard a little bit more of a personal interaction. The hilarious moments with, with Mother. God, off I, on his, God, I love him. You want to talk about cow lips? Suck. About cow lips. Him, him dancing with so much confidence, too. <laughs> <laughs> love it. It's hilarious. But uh, yeah, him just... <laughs> well... <laughs> he'll tell you your your husband here will tell you about cattle mutilations he's ex-CIA <laughs> don't listen to this man he's certifiable <laughs> as he just pulls her away <laughs> amazing uh, and uh, they just we, go on and on and we get some we get some serious character insight though in these moments yep he talks the whole about the thing uh, about Marty going out for pizza yep got oh, caught dude. with Cosmo because he went out for pizza and then went to Canada he was lucky. Cosmo wasn't. Mm-hmm. It's kind of what it comes down to. And that's one of the things, there's almost like a tragedy to the Cosmo character when we get to him. And that's just totally. the luck of the draw, right? Yeah. He got exposed to all the other bad shit and uh, kind of <laughs> went from there. But Marty changes the subject. He asks everyone what they're going to do with their money. And, you know, Kreese is going to go to Europe with his wife. Mother's going to get his amazing Winnebago. <laughs> Carl's going to have a deep relationship with a beautiful woman like Liz. <laughs> <laughs> And Whistler nice. uh, says, peace on earth and goodwill towards men and women. <laughs> Dude, I don't know if it was an ad lib thing or if it was scripted, but River Phoenix sucking in the helium first before he tells his reason or what he wants to do with the money it is must have been. so good. Like, that's just, it's, again, it's not like set him up, knock him down, silly yuck yucks jokes. It's just like a funny little character thing. Like, this is the young dude in the room. He's messing around with the balloons, being silly. Like, it's, it's just good and real. Right, right on. So they play some Scrabble, and Marty has an epiphany about C-Tech astronomy, doesn't he? Right. Because he also, at this point, too, Whistler and Carl are sitting there trying to figure out what this could mean, and they're coming up with nothing. It's like, it doesn't really make any sense as an anagram. C-Tech. And that's when he starts to rearrange the the letters amidst the Scrabble game, and he comes up with too many secrets. Mm -hmm. Before also coming up with, like, rat semen or something at some point, and they're just like, nah, that's definitely not it. (laughs) Monterey's Coast. The dual reveals, too, is as Mother and Whistler are messing with 
the black box. Yeah. And and you know, they're they're <clears throat> Marty and Liz are messing around with the scrabble pieces. The two of those things coming together are awesome. Awesome uh, reveals. I love totally. the braille shit. That's so cool, huh? The Dude, way that works. It's so, so wild. Cool. I mean, that's that's another just like little strokes of genius like that are throughout this movie where in, in, any, in any other movie, even in this one, you could have focused on the screen and the numbers rolling through the screen, but that's not what we focus on. We focus on the raising little automatic raising Braille things because I don't know about you guys, but I'd never seen that before. I was like, oh, fuck, that's what a, like a Braille computer like. So, yeah, it's a, I didn't know like. either. Yeah, like, really that's cool. like a, that, that already is just inherently interesting to look at because not many people know what that is. And at the same time, when we're cutting back over to, to Marty and Liz messing with the letters, it's on that glass table, and a lot of the shots are from underneath the table as we see the letters over his face as he's rearranging them and stuff. Like, what a cool way to shoot a very, in a way, mundane thing. Like, it makes it interesting. It makes it tense. It's yeah, so man. cool. And it's that cool. beautiful shot of, of Whistler, those, you know, his dark, dark sunglasses, <gasps> and, and the slow screen, yes. and then the cut to the massive flow of like data god that's amazing shot him just like whoa yeah move back move back a spot yeah Yeah. again that's another just great visual moment because we see him he's like check this quadrant and he taps it and like a paragraph of text comes up all right check this quadrant another just like little short paragraph all right check the next one and then just an endless scroll of information you're like whoa there's way more in that yeah and i like this polarity shift from excitement onto what they discovered to utter terror Right, right, right. That the MacGuffin suddenly becomes terrifying, and I like that because of the. And you watch it play out, right? It's um, anyone want to shut down the Federal Reserve? Yeah, right. He starts asking him, "Give me impossible to crack stuff." Carl Whistler asks, and then he's like, "How about national power?" And then they they when they go at air traffic control, and he makes the joke about anybody want to crash any passenger jets as a joke. Increases like fucking enough is enough. Yeah, and, it, yeah, and that it, quick it, change in the in the mood is amazing. Totally, it's Crease and it's Marty, which is makes such perfect sense for the character. Like we've already seen how he almost got busted and lost his best friend to this exact thing, tapping into to government 100%. platforms and dicking around, and like just the fact that this thing is connected, and now they're even looking at this stuff probably has Marty uneasy. Like, oh, I know how this turns out, and we feel it, man. You know, we feel it. We we. Because it's not like, oh, this, they're going to destroy the whole world. It's, we feel the mood change as we know the characters experience the mood change, which is excitement on the discovery to utter terror at the power that they have in their hands. And it's Crease that really hammers it home. For sure. And Poitier is so good here. When, he rules. When he sends his wife and kid on home yep. and then doesn't let Liz leave. Sorry, but you're the only one that knew about Marty's, you know, real background, real name. None of us are leaving. And she's kind of like, this is ridiculous. Right. And he says, and I'm sure Dean loves it. There's not a government on this planet that wouldn't kill us all for this thing. Yep. That's the real thing. Not like the good guys, the bad guys. No, man. Like your lives. Fucking any government. Yeah. The government of Mali. For sure. Yeah. (laughs) If they could, they'd kill everybody in this room for that thing. Of course. For sure. Absolutely, um, it's good. Yeah, I like he's gonna when he's like we're gonna institute some security. He goes right into like DefCon. This guy, totally. And um, totally. I like Marty. Just kind of apologizes to Liz, and I like that because you don't you you sometimes we think oh Marty's like the leader, but but kinda he just but he just completely defers to Crease on this. He doesn't like this makes sense. And yeah. they lock down and they kill the light and the fade outs here, man, are just brilliant. 
this, the fade out with, um, there's a couple here, uh, great indication that the film is turning, right? The stakes are now changing a little bit. And then crease loading the revolver as we fade to black is just a great way totally. to transition to the next part of the movie. Because, I mean, to think that we came, we came into the scene hard cut to them partying, dancing. all these lights on, they're laughing and dancing, having fun. And the scene ends with this very slow pull away. It's very quiet, and it just gets darker and more quiet. Like, like you said, the mood is a totally turned around. Yeah, Crease loading his revolver, and we fade to black. So good. Oh, so boy. good. And uh, what's that, like 50 minutes in to the movie, just about? Um, but uh, Liz, I really enjoyed sleeping with all of you guys. That was cute. <laughs> <laughs> she wishes Martin well and hopes that he doesn't have something new to run from. Right. She's like, well, it looks like you're back on your old shit again. Yeah, absolutely. And then um, we have this amazing, again, amazing scene where we see a tension increase. A stakes oh, creep up a little, so right? Good. And we get this great handoff. Gotta Talk to me this. about the handoff, Josh. Yeah, this is awesome. And so now Crease is going to be there because he has to be because he's the only he, when it comes to this level of shit, he's the adult in the room right, to use the, the expression. He, yeah, he's the so, he's the hand to hand man. And I don't mean combat. He, he's the handoff guy. He's the he's the operator. Right. 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 Had, the, had the stakes not been raised, had they not figured out what this thing was? This is probably Marty going on his own to, to drop this thing off, to do oh, the handoff. Get the check. You know, that's whatever. But it's a lot more serious. <clears throat> Crease is there. He stays with the car. Classic. Also, love seeing Redford like zip around in a cool classic yeah. convertible. Yeah. Uh, just good moment for him. Um, you know, he approaches these guys, Gordon and Wallace. They're at this little outdoor cafe. This, and this is, man, classic Dude, spy shit. Spy shit for days. Spy <laughs> shit. The, the car phone. Creasy in the the headline in the in the paper about mathematician being killed. So good. And uh, Gordon and Wallace are are disarming but menacing at the same time. Yeah, man. Yep. Exactly. Yep. They don't uh, look like bruisers. No. You you buy that these but are they're like still just intimidating. Agents. Yeah. Because we don't know anything about them. Their right. mystery serves to intimidate us. Exactly. Like this is just another moment where we, the audience, only know just as much as as Marty does. We haven't seen any. You know, it's not like we saw these guys leave the office and cut to a shot of them inside their car. Like oh, our plan is working, yeah, and they drive away. Like no, we're we're in the dark. We we are now trying to anticipate these guys' actions just like they are, and we don't know what's coming. I mean, him when he's like, "All right, get his check," and he puts his suitcase up on the table and starts to reach in, and that's when Crease is like, "Hey, Martin, your mother." Uh, dude, you're like, fuck, they're about to pull a gun out of that thing. They're about to waste him. Yep. No question. And um, the mother thing is great. Great tension there. I like how at first, at first, Marty's like, wait a minute. And then it doesn't take a lot of convincing. These guys have worked together. Marty's like, oh, shit. Mm-hmm. Dude, I was even half thinking that maybe that was a term they use. Like, uh, like, uh, hey, your mother's on the phone is a, hey, something's really wrong. You need to come over here. Like, term that they've, like, kept in their back pockets. Maybe not. Might have just been improv of, like, just come over here right now <laughs> away and from one of the them. guy's names is mother. So I was thinking maybe that was, like, a something out of the ordinary. His mother wouldn't be calling. Well, I like that it's not spelled out, but it could be as simple as, it just leaves a question in your mind that it cues Redford in big time. It For cues sure. Marty in. So, like, in my mind, I thought, like, I bet his mother's dead. Yeah. Or, or, or totally. you know what I mean? Not, yeah. not in the picture. It, not in the picture. Right. Right, right. So that yeah. it's such an unnatural thing for, for him to say. And the trust. When Martin goes over there, he, he just listens to Greece. When he's like, get in the car, we go now. Yep. They're walking away from $175,000. And for Martin, he's walking away from an, an absolutely life 
altering situation. Sure, the, right. the ability to wipe out the thing that cost him his identity, mm-hmm. but that trust in his partner, one of his partners, to to just get in the car and drive at that moment. Dude, and it's such a good moment too when, when he's like, get in the car. And once Marty starts to open the door, then you see both of the agents actually like stand up. And that's when he's like, now, now get in the car. Like they are going to pursue us for sure. Yep. Oh, yep. So good. Crease insists they're not for the, uh, for the US. And uh, they kind of drive away not knowing who they are. And then right. the spy stuff. We go from the newspaper cool spy moment to the where's the goddamn building I met these guys in moment. Government took my home. Yep. For real. Gone. So they pull up to the building where Marty originally worked with the men, right? And it's vacant. Gonzo. Well, it was vacant prior to it being Gonzo. So that was all staged. Yeah. All bullshit. Crease is on the phone. He's, you know, doing his thing. Carl says the the NSA work out of LA. Well, then that Janix Grant is from the NSA. Crease mm-hmm. um, is pissed, man. He He kind of is like, this is your fuck up, Martin. And um, they start packing up. Martin's like, look, this place ain't safe. We, we got we to gotta move. And I'm going to go see Greg and his string quartet. <laughs> so he's, he's got to turn over to the friggin' Ruski. Yeah. yeah, this is the role-playing moment. Um, Game Master, I'd like to use one of my contacts. <laughs> <laughs> yep. <laughs> and you're going to bring your snub nose? Fuck yeah. Dude, he, this string quartet is amazing. He just puts the gun on the dude's back. Dude, look at Greg too getting it. That <laughs> bombshell he's chatting up. Hell yeah, a sophisticated, sophisticated lady, a lady of the night. <laughs> Keep smiling, Martin. Have you lost your mind? I promise, I have a chateau. Come on, believe me, I have this accent. <laughs> Check Dude. out my bow tie, Martin. Another... I'm trying to bang this broad. Help a brother out. <laughs> Come on, <laughs> help a comrade out. No. Yep. <laughs> well, this is uh, how you say in your country, uh, the cock blocking you do. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> well, the, and, I love <sighs> the moments with Greg in this movie a lot. Yep. Because he's the one, more than the NSA guys, that actually feels like a real threat early on. Right, right. To, to me, the NSA guys, when I first saw it, I think, if I can remember, they were, they're sleazy, they're, they're shitty, they're putting Marty in a tough spot because they're using what they have against him. Greg, who represents goddamn old USSR, now recently folded, he's the one that was really like, oh boy, this guy could really be dangerous. And here, here he's, he's the real help for Marty. Yeah, it's he's awesome. He's an opportunity. Great, great way to shoot this with the humidity, yes. the fog on the pool. Um, uh, this is just good. The blue, it looks great. And uh, he's like, he, he levels with him. He goes, would my country want to have this? Of course. Do we have it? We do not. Mm-hmm. We had nothing to do with this Janik business. And he's like, I got to tell you something outside, not in here. So they drive around and look at books of agents, right? None of them match the men. Oh, I, I got to say real quick, another one of my f- absolute favorite shots in this movie is once Greg starts walking back up the stairs and, he, and he's saying, all right, we have to go if you want me to talk to you about this stuff. You know, he's standing in the light for a second and he realizes that Marty's not walking up with him and he steps back down into the darkness and his face just goes to like, you can't see any of his features. It's yeah, just completely blacked him. out. And that's when he says, you have to trust me. Yep. Such a good, like, I'm like, fuck the timing of that is so great. The staging of that, of the moment he tells you, you need to trust him is when he's in the absolute shadow. Oh, it's yeah. so good. Mwah! Delicious. Yeah. Yeah, these are just the agents we thought we could turn, you know, sexual problems, financial troubles, you know. Married three times. Yep. Little tiny dick on this one. 
Perfect, right? And, um, and uh, you know, they, they come across the Buddy Wallace cat. And Greg says that Rush tried to recruit him. No luck. <laughs> Who is he working for, Martin says. And they get pulled over. Yeah. And that's when we find out he was also former NSA. He left the NSA like four years ago, that guy. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, talk about tension. Another, another stake. Another, we, can, another, we can offer you protection yeah. in this car. This is, this is technically the consulate. Do you want our protection? Dude, I got to say, in this moment, I was like, take it, take it, take it. You don't know who these guys are. But, like, you got to think in his mind, you know, I I love that it really seems like a God. Like, think about Marty in that position. Right. He's, he knows he's in a real bad spot. But, dude, are you going to sit in a car and take the Russian consulate's protection? (laughs) And then, and then so easily they cast you as a traitor. And, and, and now you're saying goodbye. This is a guy who already fled to Canada. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now what is he going to go do? He's he's going to have to go Snowden, Leningrad, baby. Seriously, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and he even tells him, education. Like, <laughs> he even tells him right before you know when they get pulled over too. He's like, "You disappeared once before. You should probably do that again." Like that's his only advice. He's like, "You should just get away from this." Yeah. In the hard, the most big dick spy move of all time, we should just waste Greg, dude. Uh, that was such a shock. Such a fucking shock. When he puts Crazy. the glove on, you're like, uh-oh. Yeah, when he picks it, he's like, you know, he he takes the gun from him, and he's like, is this loaded? And he's like, yeah. Then slides the glove on, turns, and shoots. And you're like, holy shit. <laughs> that, yeah. That's not FBI, just like the other guys weren't NSA. Puts it and down a movie with not a, not a ton of, like, loud action, you know, fast action, that, you know, it's not Michael Mann, but that gunshot echoing in the tunnel. It works. Oh, yeah, man. And I mean, and another thing about this movie is the fact that like there hasn't really been much violence up to this point, and so when it happens like this, just as starkly as it does, we we have that one continuous long shot of when he fires into the car, the driver gets out and runs away, and mm-hmm. just shoots him down. It is so stark and shocking because, in a way, to be honest, and I say this with nothing but praise. This movie is kind of like an adult Goonies. <laughs> when you think about it, like it's Goonies for adults. Like it's a fun crew working together. They have a great dynamic. They're funny and they're 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 competent. And they're getting something done. But it's a very adult version. And this is like this is the pinnacle of it being the adult version of Goonies. Like these fuckers aren't playing around. Can I disconnect the call without hanging up on you, Josh? <laughs> Spoiler alert! End of the podcast. Hey, it's an adult movie. Hey, <laughs> it's an adult Goonies. Yay. Oh, boy. Um, so it's like he, uh, Monster Squad, but good. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I like the uh, I like the too many secrets, and then he gets sapped out by Wallace. Whap! And then he's in the trunk, and he opens the thing and smashes him out again, and then um, he wakes up. Dude, another, right? quick, another quick great shot transition is when he gets knocked out, and when the camera comes back out of blackness, it's on the road, the road moving, and then it pans up to the trunk. It really makes you focus on the road and the sound of the road, which comes back later. Absolutely. It's so cool. Yep. And um, we have this really I, – I love this scene coming up with Cosmo because I love the – I love almost the out-of-time decision on like the minimalist score here. It comes in, it sounds a lot like Philip Glass. And um, they shoot him, they shoot Marty upside down. And it's weird, man. It's like, it's like everything is upside down. Everything he thought he knew is not accurate about Cosmo. And it's just like, whoa. 
and the music almost puts you in this weird place where you are like, okay, there's the, the Zeppelin on the wall. There's like, where am I? What is this weird place? And man, so Kingsley rules. So good here. So fucking good. Pain. <laughs> Dude. Matt, I love what you said earlier, and it's it's so true, about Cosmo is such a sympathetic villain. Yeah. I mean, he, he's the villain. He's the antagonist of the movie. But you, you have to, you can't not feel for him in a way. Of course, of course. Seeing him right from the beginning, and, and it will carry through, I think, pretty much every interaction with him. Especially, man, great, great finale. But mm. Matt, I would like to hear your your thoughts on this. Our introduction to the new, the new improved Cosmo, <laughs> dude. I I love how quietly he enters. You know, asks him about his pain and offers the aspirin. Does the little hand trick he did at the beginning of hiding what's in the hand, making you guess, and this reveal of of who he is that I'm your old friend. Like he leads. With the fact that I'm your friend, which is I find really interesting about him. He's not, you know, coming down on like, ah, oh, your investigation's getting close to me. And also, I'm Cosmo, like this reveal. He comes out being his friend, you know, like, oh, I'm sorry if, you know, Wallace hurts you. He doesn't really like you very much. And sorry about that. And he's being sympathetic. Like, you can tell his first approach here before they wanted to bring back any of, you know, the hard stuff is I'm just going to talk to him again. I'm going to see if I can't get through to him, maybe get him to see things my way. Uh, and, and I, again, like what you're saying, Josh, like, I think that makes him sympathetic. Like he's not just trying to be a bond villain. He's not just a menacing monster in his mind, which I think is always a hallmark of a good villain in a movie. He thinks he's genuinely doing the right thing. He might not care about what it takes. You know, doesn't care about what the, the means are to get to his end, but he thinks his end is a, like a justifiable, righteous thing. I I want to riff on that a little because I like I like how I like your interpretation of that and their decision to go the way they did. I especially like because it's Ben Kingsley, because of the music, because of his dress, because of the room he's in, you're still very uneasy. Totally. totally. Completely uneasy. You're like, God, it is him. It, it it's it's almost like you're like, what what's happening? I know he's doing all the friends my friend did, but the way they shoot him with the shadows across the top of his head, the lighting in this scene is impeccable. And it just makes you feel there is something not entirely forthcoming just yet. Even though he is not being a stereotypical Bond villain, he's also not just a gregarious friend, right? right. He is, he's, there's a quiet reservation to the way he's behaving. There is a slow grace in the way he walks, but also this quiet menace within him that makes you feel uneasy, and it clearly makes Marty feel uneasy, despite, love, the, despite the friendliness of it all. And Matt, you called it you know, his, his approach, and I don't think that's the wrong term to use, but yes, you know that, as Dean's saying, there's this uncomfortability, there's this kind of foreboding thing about about Cosmo, but at the same time, this is not disingenuous. I believe Correct. when I'm watching this that he is truly excited to be in the presence of Marty again and to yeah, talk to him. I and agree. and though these passionate moments when he kinda of has when you know, especially when he lowers his voice, do you remember? Do you remember Marty? We were gonna change the world. Yeah. And and how he's talking because the last time he saw Marty was in nineteen sixty nine when they were these boy like idealistic 
sure. you know, whatever. And in some ways, that is still Marty in his head, and yet he, Marty is also the betrayer in, in, in a way. The the Marty is the one who didn't go to prison, so mm-hmm. it's, he's it's the just lucky really, one. <laughs> it's just really believable. It's not Bond villain shit where you're like, okay, he's coming out with this this fake. I'm being nice, and then he's going to turn the hammer. No, he really is excited to see Marty. And if Marty had kind of jumped at it a bit more, maybe the whole rest of the thing would have been different. But Marty's guarded, and then that brings Cosmo right back into this. Like, you know, you're going to hold yourself back from me. Like, do you know I've everything I've been through? And then that brings him right to dropping the hammer back on Marty. Yeah, and there's there's just so much great dialogue. Kingsley's just such a fucking great actor. And there's just stuff here where, you know, they're talk he's talking about how he was working for the organized crime. Don't kid yourself, they're not that organized. And he's talking about financial systems, encryption systems, governments can't read it. But if the feds get Chanix box, disaster cosmos says, therefore we must have it. He says we. And that's when Marty says what to protect the organization. And he goes, no, I don't buy it. I know you. And right after that, Cosmos says, God, it's good to see you. Right. Ah, that's just good writing, man. Absolutely. And dude, Ben Kingsley, as an actor, such a good moment because he's so good at being bad at lying in that moment where he's like, Correct. so you're doing all this Correct. to protect the organization? And he kind of is like, a, yes. And he's like, no, I don't buy it. And that's when he like laughs and is like, ah, okay, yeah, you fucking do know me. <laughs> and, he, and, he, and the playback to that first scene, the pause it. Theory. <laughs> That's good shit. Yeah, he talks about he talks about essentially, you know, evil. He talks about money. Evil de- de- defense contractors have it. Politicians are bought and sold like so much chattel. Our problems multiply: pollution, crime, drugs, poverty, disease, hunger, despair. We throw gobs of money at them, and the problems only get worse. Why is that? Because money's most powerful ability is to allow bad people to continue doing bad things at the expense of those who don't have it. Fucking, that's his whole premise, right? That's it. Pause it. People think the bank is financially shaky. Marty, consequence. People start to withdraw their money. Result, pretty soon is financially shaky. Conclusion, you can make banks fail. Fuck, it's fucking awesome, He's like, man. I've already done that. <laughs> yeah, maybe you've read about it. Think mm. bigger. Small countries? Yes. And that's when he says, I might be able to crash the whole system, destroy all records of ownership. Think of it, Marty. No more rich people. No more poor people. Everyone is the same. Isn't that what we always wanted? Some fight club <laughs> shit right there. Totally. Where is my mind? Yeah. <laughs> and dude, also another great moment in this scene, you know, as Cosmo's talking about all these things, you know, he even says, he's like, it's not reality that people, you know, are convinced by. And then it, Marty fills in and he's like, it's their perception of reality. And that's yeah, man. Like, ah, you know, you're, you're so right. But that also is such a good it's almost like a thesis for the movie of like playing sure. off of other people's perception of reality and what they think of you and, you know, toying with that. Like that's the con man thing in them. Like they have a good sense for what other people think is real and how to manipulate it. Yep. Each of them. When he realizes he's not going to convince Marty to go along with his plan, that he's not going to go along with the let's change the world together plan anymore because Cosmo is now, you'd say a radical he uh, just lays it down. He says, tomorrow they will retrieve the gun that killed a fed with fingerprints that lead to you, basically. The following day, those prints will be run from a computer and they will come up with a name, Martin Bryce, my old and good friend who promised me he would not get in trouble. We would not get in trouble. And then they will check this database in Washington, D.C. Of course, no one knows where Martin Bryce is today, do they? But what if this indicated an uh, alias, Martin Bishop? Don't do it, cause. Pain. Try prison. God damn, that's, dude. That's where you can see him just, you know, and it's also it started when he calls him. He's like, wow, you really are crazy now. And that's yeah. when he's like, all right, 
fuck it then. Like so, I tried so being a friend. So this is where we're at. Yeah. Yep. And now we're going to do this. Yeah, he says it flippantly at first, right, Marnie? He says, don't tell me you've gone crazy. And then he says, you are crazy. And that's <laughs> when the dynamic, the, 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 cha- the conversation changes. There's more than one time in this movie, and Dean, I'm curious if you feel the same way, where I think of a movie that came out a year after, Hackers, <laughs> where they tried to, I think, maybe grab a couple things from this. For sure. <laughs> that whole scene where they're altering Dade's background. Right? Yep, yep. Fucking with his mother. Absolutely. That whole man. thing. It, it smacks of this movie hard. Except, yeah. you know, it's hackers. Except it's... <laughs> so, so it's God, silly as fuck. Uh, yeah. Not, you know, pun intended with the whole hack. <laughs> like that joke. Uh, God, hey, get, get, by the way, um, did you guys... Um, what the fuck was I going to say? <laughs> oh, Liz. <laughs> no, no. Um, <laughs> fuck, you guys fucked me up. <laughs> Riveting. Um, uh, Hackers 95, right? Did that come on 95 or 93? Now you've confused me. It might have yeah. been 95. It doesn't matter. It's close enough. Your point is taken. Um, there's a couple of times where I think they reference sneakers, but I just can't think of them all off the top of my head because I don't remember movies anymore, even if I've seen them a bunch of times <laughs> because of all the movies I see between then and now. <laughs> too many secrets, too many movies. Indeed. That's my Scrabble game. So Marty goes to see Liz. I want somebody to take care of him. <laughs> Patch up my bruised face. And dude, also, another... I know I keep harping on every one of them. I can't help it. This movie's so good at it. When they... The shot of them dumping him out of the car and he's laying there on the hill. <laughs> what do you see behind him? Fucking Alcatraz. Yeah. Like, he's... Like, that. that's the looming threat over his head. He's like, fuck, I'm gonna go to prison. Like, just, when you, as a filmmaker, are, can find that perfect, like, visual metaphor for the whole situation and include it in a way that's, like, realistic and cool, that's just, like, God, that's fucking good filmmaking. Man, so good. Indeed. And a thing I really love about this whole bringing Liz back into it, it felt to me, like, when Liz finally exits after the, uh, the, the standoff night, right, the lockdown, mm-hmm. she could have been walking out of the movie. Her part fulfilled. Right. Like, you could have felt like that character is done. Yep. And that she, that, that she didn't necessarily have to come back. Like, we're waiting for, like, Liz to come back in her moment. No, it feels like this makes sense when he goes back to her. Yeah, for sure. The paper said that Greg was killed. I called your number and someone else answered. I didn't recognize your voice. And he just says, I can't do this alone. <laughs> I so um, the lads break down the situation. Cree suggests that they turn themselves in now. Mother reminds him that they have nothing to negotiate with. Yeah. Which kind of kills that whole idea. <laughs> Dude, and it's, that's another just like good little character beat of, of course, the ex-CIA officer's like, well, maybe we should just go ahead and go to the authorities and be honest. And Mother's like, trust, hell no. Yeah, trust the law, right? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Mother's like, fuck that. We got nothing. They move a bunch of gear into Liz's place. I love this. They just move their HQ. <laughs> it's so good. <laughs> <laughs> Shit, and this is where they're they decide that they're gonna they're gonna make this call. And um, what I love about this is just the way they set this up. Whistler noting how he's gonna go through multiple call relays um, and a couple different satellites. It's gonna give us time. It's gonna be very hard to trace. Mother explains that they will measure the stress of the voice on the person on the end of the phone like a polygraph. And um, they call Fort Meade, Maryland, and they ask for the director of ops. Mm-hmm. And not to harp on it, because I didn't even read the goddamn review myself, but to go back to that whole Ebert thing about oh, being too much of a techno thriller or whatever, man, like you're missing the mark. Because here, 
okay, there's some technology involved. There's bouncing this trace. There's the stress detector. But that is not what makes the scene. It is no. all in the characters, the dialogue, the tension. Right. Yep, like right. that's that that isn't the technology isn't the uh aha, the wow moment. That is it's just a, a, a vehicle to allow for this great interaction with good old James Earl Jones. Yeah, oh, indeed. Yeah. And like even the, you know, the, the, there's like the screen showing where all of their different like points are that they're bouncing this call around. And then you can see where the NSA is starting to, to track and see how far they're getting on the trace. All that it looks really cool. looks really technological. All it serves as is a timer. That's it. It just puts and it's a timer. It's super on the easy scene. to follow. Exactly. Exactly. It puts a timer on the scene. The music builds along with how far they're getting along, you know, getting close to their actual location. It just makes a it's just a very clear way of showing how much time is left. And that's where our stakes are at. Yep. So good. Absolutely. Um, so he makes a call to Mr. Abbott. Are you interested in Sea Tech astronomy? I'm interested in all kinds of astronomy. <laughs> Can you deal? Yes. Whistler notes they have about 20 seconds remaining. If I come in with what I know, can you guarantee my safety? Do you have the item? Marty asks again. Abbott says nothing, but he is says yes, but he's lying. And Mother's like, he's fucking lying. And they manage to hang up before the trace in just a great ratcheting up of the tension moment. Love they it. guess that they can possibly deal with these guys, but not without the item because they have no negotiation power. That is it. That's all that he asks. Where is the item? Yep. And that's when Whistler starts saying, well, Let's talk about what you heard in the trunk of that car. And I like this. You know, the blind guy's perspective is, this is my primary sense. So you are not quite as attuned to it as I am. So I'm going to assume you miss some things. So let's talk about it. And dude, I, that's, <laughs> this is probably going to rile you up just like it did me, Josh. Um, I was reading another thing that people were like, well, you know, one of the only like downfall sections of this movie is Whistler in this scene and this whole like hearing everything because it's like, it's almost like a superpower and it's really far fetched and it's just kind of like a deus ex machina moment. And I'm like, fuck that. The movie takes pains to show all of the steps and like what things he could have heard and how he can recreate it and how we can narrow it down. Like they walk through the entire process. It's not like Whistler's just like, oh, did you hear this one bell? Because that bell only rings on this street and you must have been right there. Like it's not like some quick, easy thing. They really do go down the path of, okay, well, what bridge did you go over? Can we at least narrow down that much? Can we figure mm-hmm. out the direction you were heading and slowly getting closer? It's so good. I fucking love this, actually. That's yeah, annoying that somebody would bitch about that because I love this moment. And yes, it plays a little bit up on the, you know, blind people are, you know, and their other senses are enhanced. But we've already set that up with Whistler. Like, right. we, we've set up his value on this team, and a lot of it comes down to he uses everything at his disposal, and sight is not at his disposal. So he right. uses other things really fucking well. And you're right. It's not this crazy thing. It, it starts very simple. Did you hear a foghorn? Mm-hmm. Okay, no. Golden Gate was fogged in. There's only four bridges, so there's one down. Like, it, it's not like this crazy... It starts pretty simple. And you see the rest of them get pulled in like, oh, okay, all right. Yeah. Like, so what else? Seems then concrete. And the way they run through it is really cool. Yeah. And- it's, it's, Deus Ex Machina is not even the right way to discuss it either. It's not, that's no. not even a viable, it's completely invalid as far as I'm concerned. Because it, because that is a plot device that really relies on a completely, a complete abrupt solution from something seemingly out of nowhere. And also something that's been completely unintroduced up until that point. That's like what that I'm saying. We've never yeah. seen it. It's never been referenced and it just appears. Whereas Whistler has been set up. And I, and I think, correct. you know, we talked about it briefly earlier, but that great moment where he's like, 
they're all trying to figure out where the box is. And he's like, listen, it's that tape recorder. Like you guys aren't, you're, you're looking too hard and you're not listening. And he's totally right. And it's not like he heard the tape recorder. He just heard them mention, he was Correct. paying attention to their dialogue, Correct. heard them mention that he has a voicemail service. So why the fuck would he need a, a voicemail recorder? It, it's not a real voicemail recorder. Yep. He's just um, like, it has forced him to be a good detective. Basically. Voicemail recorder. Listen to this fucking Dude, millennial. I, fucking I forgot the fucking word for it. Machine. Answering <laughs> machine. It's true. Yeah. And don't damn. give me that bullshit. I fucking used answering machines. God damn it. <laughs> <laughs> I just fucking <laughs> forgot the word. Voicemail recorder. <laughs> Love it. <laughs> oh, Christ. Um, so yeah, they go through the process. They narrow all the shit down. They begin narrowing it down to bridges. Marty describes what he heard. Whistler recreates it. They think uh, they have the bridge. They start driving around and listening. It's great. Whistler keeps asking, what did you hear? What did you hear? Cocktail party, chattering. It was right at the end. They stop at a reservoir. They find many geese. Great shot, by the way. uh, That's such a good, another one of those moments where the joke is built on the shot. Wild goose chase. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, And he's just cutting straight over to an ocean full of fucking geese. Fucking perfect. Congratulations, Bish. You're an honorary blind person. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And that's when they're like, wait a minute, we got this access road. Let's let's climb back in the truck and go down this way. uh, Oh, no. Dude, I love... That moment where they're like, "Well, this it kind of just stops here. It's a dead end. I mean, there's something up there, but it's private property." And they're all like, "Oh, private property!" And they're all like, "Oh, private property! Like that's probably it. Like it's being yeah. hidden." Like that awesome. moment where they all have to like kind of think on it for just another second. Yeah, it's it's cool. And they get down there and they start. They pull up the field glasses. They start poking around, looking around, listening. Playtronics, the future of toys. To which Carl's like, ah, forget it. It's a toy company. And this is where Marty's experience shines, where he says, wait a minute. High voltage fencing, bullshit. This building says, go away. Yeah. He's like, this is a front. Awesome. So they begin surveillance. Ah, <sighs> yes. <laughs> More tasty surveillance. Delicious. <laughs> that Delicious fucking high-powered, high like, rifle microphone they got. I love yeah, it. It's cool. And... um yeah, they uh, they listen to the building and some tech. And of course, with Whistler's help, uh, he asks Crease, what is my voice, is my passport verify me mean? And Crease is like, well, it sounds like a voice ID. Great. Whistler picks up on one room that he indicates that people are serious about keeping out of it um, because of, and I don't remember what, why. It had something to do with something he heard in the room, right? Basically, but, uh, I don't know if he's actually physically hearing it. I don't know if that's the right term, but if he's hearing it or if he's hearing like a interpretation of it but he's hearing like electronic noise so yeah. essentially he's sensors. hearing the the sensors yeah know, wh- whether he's personally hearing it i don't think he's like fucking daredevil I no think he's no. actually probably like processing From the mic. it through yeah through a machine yeah. well, i think he also can t- like it was he said something about like it's ultrasonic noise or something like that that hides the actual like sounds within the room something like oh that, yeah too. yeah you're right yeah and that's seems awfully fishy for a toy company so that totally. in and of itself yeah. is an indicator that you might be onto something. We got to hide our formula for the new G.I. Joe by any means. <laughs> if we can't let Kung Fu grip slip. <laughs> but um, later, they go over the data, right? Carl has Plantronics headquarters blueprints. He's so proud of himself. I love it. Where'd you get the 50 bucks? I took it from mother. Nice work. <laughs> 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 Fucking thieves. <laughs> And uh, that's when Kree says, let me, let me guys tell you about this, this thing kind of colloquially named the man trap, this voice yeah. activated entry system. And you need a card and a voice to get through. If it fails, you're trapped in a steel box and then the men with shotguns come. 
<laughs> so don't break, don't fuck this up. <laughs> Dude, totally. And just, I, I have such a boner for when they lay out, here are our hurdles. Here's how they work. And like, mm-hmm. we've talked about that before in other movies that do, do this kind of setup well, where it makes the execution so much more enjoyable because we've been along for that ride of planning and we know what's coming. And information and gathering. Right. And we know how they're going to approach these things. And it's like, it's more interesting seeing whether it works or not if you know how it works. Indeed. Yep. And they keep it simple, right? You don't need to be Super a tech simple. nerd to get all this shit. Mm-hmm. No, we, we, know, we know everything. We, so the security things after this whole surveillance process, which is so awesome, they get through, they need the ID card, they need the ID print. And then even then, once they actually get in, you got motion detectors and thermal detectors. There's a lot of things going on. And so they lay that all out, but as they gather it, and then the, the process of, of the team getting to work, preparing to do those things is just so great. Like it's getting awesome. the crease skin, the prototype of the actual detector, so they can kind of mess around with it. And then, man, Liz, we haven't really talked about her enough. We, we really blew the whole cast when we set them up, <laughs> and she wasn't a part of it yet. And I know you, you two guys do the goddamn BSG cast, so obviously you love, you love Mary here. Mary she, McDonald. She's great. Liz is an she's awesome really part of this movie. She's awesome and great. She really gets to her moment coming up here, right? Totally. Huge, huge moment. Yep, this is awesome. So they realize they need someone's card and voice. Now, the voice thing really matters because they start talking about um, some footage that Mother had captured, right? And we have this room near what they believe is Cosmos. We see a lady in a green skirt and a guy with a cap. Nobody comes out for another 18 minutes. The next evening, office near Cosmos. Lights go out. The guy in the cap exits. Nobody for 22 minutes. They target him, and uh, they will use his office to get to Cosmos. They snag his plates, which I think is a 180 IQ or something stupid. Yeah, and they're like, "Uh, nice. (laughs) (laughs) And then they're like, well, it's this guy, Werner Brandes. He's single. No warrants, no tickets. He leaves work the same time, takes the same route, safe driver, has good credit, no firearms. I, I like that him. they know that because yeah. that could be a fucking problem. Totally. And he's part of a bunch of committees. He's boring, right? <laughs> yeah, Marty's lying. Great. The world's most boring human. <laughs> yeah, how do we fucking approach this guy? <laughs> right. And then Mother shows up with trash. So great. <sighs> But, you know, I got to say, though, guys, it They're really took me They're looking for an angle. Of... They're looking for an angle. That's what I love about this shit. Well, see, what I actually hate about this upcoming scene, though, is just all of this high, hard-to-understand technology really took me out of the scene. <laughs> this, like, trash-sorting technology they break out. Rice-a-roni. That's yeah. something you eat, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> No, it's such a fucking great moment. And just the obviousness of like, oh, wait, look at this little thing he tossed out. He's a part of an internet dating thing. But I would have expected our to entry. seen way more semen-riddled tube socks in that trash. <laughs> right? Hungry man <laughs> no dinners. Way. No hung, way. Hung, that guy is fucking dinners. some kind of some kind of early robot vagina thing. Yikes. <laughs> that is probably the only reason he works at Playtronics. <laughs> to get very good-feeling rubber. Like, ah, this will <laughs> go over it. This will do, pig. That, that guy's f- partly finished basement is a nightmare. <laughs> <laughs> it is a... Nightmare of of a portion of the female lower body, just pelvises hanging from chains, Yikes. rubberized with motion. Could you help me move my? I broke my arm. Could you help me move my couch? <laughs> you just climb in there. Yeah, totally. Well, they uh, they're looking for their angle. He's a computer dater, Marty says. 
Let's get him a date, Cree says. And Liz points out the man who folded this crest is looking for someone meticulous, refined, anal. And they all turn and look at her like a fucking group of sharks. Exactly. It's terrific. And I also just love that little moment right there. It shows how well they all know Liz. Like they're all very familiar with her. And like just her jokingly, not even jokingly, but just saying those things that are like, oh, wait, yeah, you would totally fit this part. (laughs) Like that's that's you. (laughs) Indeed. Yep. The man who followed this crest is looking for someone meticulous. So hard cut to the karaoke. This is brilliant. And uh, Liz is meeting Werner. Werner calls herself Doris. Asks him if he's if she's ready for the dim sum. In this fucking spaz <laughs> over here putting in eye drops as good his date Lord. walks in. Oh my god. She's so bugged. Good. And by the way, this shit is badass. The checklist of words she needs to get him to say. That's so awesome. God, I love this shit. <laughs> It's really good. What an interesting name you have. How exactly do you pronounce it? Ah, so good. <laughs> and then she just has to kind of go for it, right? As this progresses. Dude, when she yanks his ass back oh down into God. the booth, she's like, I really need you to say passport. That's <laughs> <laughs> so great. Part of me is like, oh, come on. Like, you can't think of a better way. Like, come on, bring up travel. Like, but she's not a goddamn spy. No, nope, not right? at all. Totally. She's just this. Just this woman who got thrown into the situation and who's doing overall a great job. Yeah, absolutely. But, but that is a little bit of a stretch, and that's what will end up biting her at the yeah. end. Meanwhile, Kreese is discussing the motion sensor in Cosmo's office. Mother, we can wrap you in a full body suit of neoprene heat resistant rubber or raise the temperature in Cosmo's office to 98.6 degrees, which is probably what we'll have to do because the neoprene will suffocate you. Either way, you've got a top speed of two inches per second, any faster, and then the big guys with guns come. But you'll probably do fine. <laughs> We're on he's a mission like, from God. He's like, yeah, exactly. He's like, but you'll probably do fine. It's like, oh, shit. <laughs> Thanks, pal. Just remember to go real slow. <laughs> Such a great moment. So good, dude. And but, I, um, did, I did forget, this is a line that I've really incorporated into my personal dating life. Talking about breakfast, shall I oh, call you or nudge you? Oh, man. Dude, <laughs> you know what you can... The idea so of you looking that? at me while I'm asleep is just not good. No, not good. Not unacceptable. But you can tell that motherfucker was like practicing that line in the damn oh, yeah. year. He's like, ah, I'm going to break this out. It's going to fucking kill. Yep. Yep. <laughs> so he read get... it in a book. <laughs> oh, exactly. Man. Yes. <laughs> Jokes you can say on a date. Liz is so. off to date number two. Yeah. <laughs> See, that actually, that's another thing we should point out too. Like part of what's difficult about Liz's position here is that she's got to get information out of this guy but also keep herself likable enough and interesting enough to him to get a second date so she can get closer to his stuff and get the card. Like, So you have to play it super cool in a way, but at the same time, you're also mining him for data and you can't be annoying. That's right. Mm, doesn't take much to keep that guy on the hook. Right? <laughs> With this, lo- this woman? He's like, this is the best I'm ever going to do. So uh, Carl heads onto the grounds. I like that Carl getting right in there. This is tough shit here. Tough. This is a tough pull for him, but he has to do it, and he, uh, he manages. He pretends to be the gardener, and then he enters the building looking for the bathroom. From the bathroom, uh, he's up in the ceiling, gone. And you know what I like about the scene? That the shit security guard doesn't forget. He yes. goes in. He looks for him. He doesn't see him. He knows he didn't miss him, or that's what he assumes, 
and he gets right on the horn, and then he spots what he thinks is him, but it's Mother. I love it. It's fantastic. Uh, it's so cool that they thought that out, too. Yep. Like, so once slick. you go in there, they're going to be also checking on when you leave. <laughs> like, you can't just be in there forever. You got Carl in the elevator shaft, like fucking Emilio Estevez in Mission Impossible, right? Wait, what? Oh. Emilio Estevez is in the first Mission Impossible. He dies around the first mission. There. Holy fuck, I completely Crazy, forgot Crazy, right? Holy shit. Everybody forgets about that. It's funny. <laughs> I <laughs> thought you were making a weird joke. I was like, I nope. don't get it. This nope. guy's pretty, pretty horribly in the elevator shaft. Yeah. Oh, is he brutal. the guy who gets like crushed? Yeah. Fuck, with, I forgot. With, with weird drop-down spikes. Yeah, yeah. Oh, my God, I forgot that was the Mighty Ducks coach. Jesus. <laughs> Completely. Yep. Billy, the, Billy the Kid. There's a, there's a difference in generation right there. Mighty <laughs> Ducks coach to you, Billy the Kid to me. But uh, Liz is at Werner's, and she passes the wallet to Mother out the window, which I just love. This setup. Yeah. I mean, watching, watching Mary McDonald play this coolly, yet also being nervous, right? You can tell this is not comfortable for her, and it shouldn't right. be. Exactly. We- we talked about this recently on the X-Files podcast, talking about when Scully had Indeed. to do a little bit of a infiltration kind of thing and, and how it's way more exciting as an audience member when the person you're watching isn't a tier one secret agent. Because, <laughs> you know, it's just a lot more real. and It's a lot more relatable. Like, there is a huge potential for failure. Indeed. And it's... And a simple thing like getting a wallet and handing out the window becomes a giant deal instead of like, yeah, of course, like, you know. Exactly. Right. Yeah. In a more stylized film, this this handoff out the window is, is played much more in a rock star capacity. Right. Also, I do, I love the way this is shot as well. It's one continuous shot. From yep. the outside of his kitchen, looking in through the window, we move over to her opening the window, pan back down to mother taking out the card, handing it back up. Continuous shot. Continuous of shot. When, when yep. we, we hear the knock on the door, that's what gets him over to the door, and she gets to put the wallet back in. Camera pans away to see mother driving the car away. Like, they planned yep. out every aspect of it, and one unbroken moving camera shot. So cool and liz has to endure this barrage of pussy drying banter <laughs> holy shit man oh, this is awful. brutal <laughs> brutal maybe the toughest job jesus it might this be guy for like yeah. an hour it's funny no she's in a tough spot even though we know we know that this guy's not gonna kill her or anything it's still like we talked about the stakes make sense because this is just a question of she's going to put him in a fucking triangle choke, right? It's like if this goes badly, he calls the police and you get arrested. Like that's right. it. You're fucked. There's yeah. no fist fight and then you escape and then you get your passport and you're in fucking Tahiti. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. It's the cool. only the only other thing I can think of for her like cuz it doesn't matter to be rude after a certain point. Like once you hand off the card just being like, "Oh gosh, you know, I forgot I have this thing I have to do. Oh, I'm so sorry. Oh, I really just got to go." And just like getting mm-hmm. the fuck out of there. Yeah, hell yeah. But uh, Marty heads to the facility, right? And he bypasses the first store with a stolen card. So far so good. He then makes his way into a stairwell where he accesses the cameras, right? He does a little it. camera clone. Love it. Love Fucking it. Fucking cool. And uh, he does that so he can have his eye in the sky. He needs his men, mother and Kree specifically, to be able to relay to him information on possible guards. Indeed. Who could be coming, where they are. And then he gets to the man trap, uses the recording. <laughs> I like how he's playing it too fast at first. He's like, oh, shit. <laughs> and even the machines, like, slow down. <laughs> yeah, that's cute. And then he heads into the office. And then uh, we see each security checkpoint login. Werner's access. Badass. Dude, so good. 
Carl altering the temperature of the office. He's tracking the temp, right? It's, it's rising. Marty gets to enter Cosmo's room. Once they get body temp, Martin heads in through the ceiling and he begins the slow walk that didn't work for me with the motion detectors. <laughs> yep. <laughs> that slow walk. Another you know, I, I literally remember doing that like oh outside my, my God, dude. parents' house. Just just, you know, pretending. Like can pretending. I slowly get up to the porch and get into the front door without the motion detector light coming on. And I could <laughs> never do it. Nope, you can't and do I'm it. I'm like, I must not be going slow enough. Yeah, you need neoprene, dude. <laughs> 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 also, what I never thought about until this viewing, I was like, 98.6, like, that's not your skin temperature. I don't know what temperature skin is, but it's Good not point. your core temperature. Good point. <laughs> it's got to be significantly lower, like probably in the 80s, I think. 70s, yeah. maybe? I don't know. I think so. Yeah. <laughs> Whatever. So, um, Liz, uh, I love that the jig is up because of an electronic toy that this jabroni has. I mean, oh, this is perfect. Totally sees her open wallet, sees that that Doris is not her name. Nope. And um, this creepy ass, what do you say we go for a ride, Doris? Oh, dude. Yeah, what Oof. the fuck? <laughs> What's this guy, the fucking Zodiac killer? Right, right. Creep. I mean, they, don't you think, like, if that happened to you on a date, you wouldn't just be like, uh, what's up with this? Is that not your real name? What's your real name? Like, you don't start there, you know, no, straight yeah. to get in my car. Things start to make sense to him. That's why he realizes yeah. the security situation he's in, and it starts to dawn on him. Um, yeah, I don't know if you're aware, Matt, but 180 IQ check the license plate. Yeah, bro. You can check I mean, his license and, plate. And he is a big Billy toy inventor. He knows he works in a you know cutthroat industry. <laughs> um, meanwhile, introduce Teddy Ruxpin 2.0, and he knows she's going to fucking spy on it. There you go. Uh, Marty does a slow walk. Mother talks conspiracies again. <laughs> <laughs> and of course, Liz is being driven to Playtronics. Mother spots it, increase alerts Martin. Hurry. The one thing I can't do is hurry. <laughs> the one thing. <laughs> and uh, Warner drags Liz into the office, accusing her of exactly what she did. And this is great. He has no ID, which buys them time. Because the security goes like, wait a minute, where's your ID? <laughs> but the other security, multiple layer securities in this place, as you'd imagine, they get on the horn. They're like, we've got a disturbance here. And it's not just like one guard. Everyone gets alerted. This is not normal. Something's out of place here. And we're in a high security installation. It makes sense to just start alerting everyone. I like it. So things heat up. Totally. Yeah. Enter Cosmo. Oh, man. Coming straight dude. down to the, the lobby to be like, wait a minute. What, what is this shit? Yep. Awesome, dude. And uh, yeah, Cosmo uh, heading upstairs to check on Werner's office. Love it because that's that's the that's the original alarm, and it doesn't dawn on them just yet that they might be going for Cosmos. Mm-hmm. But I, I think even Cosmo is smart enough to realize, like, hmm, your office right by mine. Indeed. Okay, we Indeed. definitely need to look at this. Yep, and, and then, you just have to assume Cosmo has a layer of paranoia for oh, sure. For sure, Hardcore. man. <laughs> Marty manages to get out just in time. Warner admits that everything seems to be in order, and that's when she flippantly says, "Wait." A computer matched her to him? I don't think so. She's like, that's the last time I'm doing computer dating. And that's it. Fucking jig is up. Yep. She got too cute. I love it. Got, got a little too cute. That that knowledge that he has of the way that algorithm would shake out, he knows exactly. is ridiculous, right? <laughs> He's like, I'm on the verge of inventing no Tinder, and I know way. you what? wouldn't even see his card. That's not even going to happen. 
well, it's awfully hot in here. I like that too. Because we kind of forget about that, right? As the audience, we're like, oh yeah, he would feel that. Cool. Great reminder. Nice writing. Yeah. It's fucking 90 degrees in his goddamn room. That's insanity. You're bordering, you're getting, you're starting to get into like way too hot to be in their temperatures. It's amazing. And as soon as he walks in, he feels it. Oh, Marty. Marty! (laughs) 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 And uh, mother and Crease lose visual. A guard finds the camera clone. Uh, Wallace starts ripping shotgun round. This guy is a boner for blood. Dude, a boner for Marty's blood. He just hates (sighs) Marty. It, like was that, that. it was that it was that my parents never got married joke. Yep. You can't on. let it go. <laughs> no. <laughs> but man, him just pumping that shoddy up there is so terrifying. Boom. But no. Nope. Chases him all the way down to the dead end. And then we have this amazing fucking moment with, with him on the horn, right? <laughs> Marty. Stop stop shooting. Right? I know you're in the building and I know you can hear me. God. You should not have come back, Marty. I won and you lost. If our friendship meant anything at all, that is how you should have left it. But you always have to be the one to win. You were the one who got away with things and I never did. You always had to get the girl, didn't you? So I never did. At least not until now. She's lovely, Marty. Please, Marty, please bring me the box. You must know they will never let either of you live if you try to get out. I am your way out. I am your only way out. If... I wanted you dead. You'd be dead, Marty. I cannot kill you. I cannot kill you. You have to trust me. And we see for the second time, Marty do what I think is a realistic thing. Number one, to go with the feds, even though you don't trust them. In that moment, you think they're feds. In the second moment, to surrender here. Right. Both both are very realistic to me, and I love it. Totally. Yeah, because he's not an action hero. Correct. Right. Like, there's nowhere to go. There's, you have no guns. You have nothing, nowhere else to climb to or get yeah. out of. We'll also um, kill you. Right? Yeah. He'll kill right all your there. friends. So come out. <laughs> Another great shot I have to suck off for just a second. It's a very brief one. It's right when he says, you know, she's lovely, Marty. And it cuts over to, you know, we see Liz sitting on the couch. And around her, you see guys with shotguns standing around. A small thing, but I think stuff like this matters a lot, especially for a very quick shot. You can't see anyone else's face. Everybody yep. else is about mm, elbows down in the frame and like completely blacked out. And you only see Liz's face. Like your eyes, can, you, you process the shotguns, you process that she's surrounded by guys, but you really only look directly at her face. And that's just such a good way to frame it. That's just so cool. Fuck. Love this movie, man. <laughs> it's really good. <laughs> just, it's a really good movie. The, the cinematography. Fuck. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. Um, typically I do this a little bit earlier, but I might as well just bang it out now because we've kind of got a little distracted here and dove right in on our suck fest. But, uh, we have the following people to thank for this guild bounty. Tiffany Bell, Jason Bedineski, Jesse Ellis, Ed Foster, Miggs, uh, BP 9000, Benjamin Fru, Joe Polcini, Michael Rafus, Aaron White, and Rigel Wise. So thank you to those fine people for making this, uh, this bounty happen. Very cool. Thank you. Excellent yeah. taste. What a fucking great pick. Seriously. God damn. I'm so pumped about this movie right now. Do you remember who started it? Can you see that? Who bought the first share? Because uh, it's, it's their turn for a suck off. Yeah. I'm about to give you something. I don't know who started It's tough to tell with this particular right, no snap worries. cut that I have here. Um, I can tell you about the most shares. That'd be Ed Foster. He bought nine of them. So... There you go. Well, yeah. 
<laughs> um, so, uh, yeah, Wallace leads Marty to Cosmo and everyone else, and Cosmo obviously wants his box back. We have a deal, right? Marty asks. Cosmo smiles. The men load their weapons. I cannot kill my friend. Kill my friend. Fuck, Dude. man. Cold as ice. <laughs> Willing shit. to sacrifice. This is the great moment where, you know, I, I, I said it before. I credited you, Matt, for talking about how Cosmo is such a great, relatable villain. Still a villain, though. Absolutely. Still a villain. Still, like, he's still got to be a compelling villain at times. And kill my friend. Yep. Fuck. <laughs> you, you believe him that, yeah, he, he wishes it had turned out a different way, but it went this way. And now, kill my friend. Damn. And Marty yells now, and uh, uh, Carl yells, what, which really offended me, a uh, cultural appropriation, but he yelled Geronimo, which I didn't love. I'm going I'm to pen, pen my letters. And, uh, Did he really? Yeah, and he falls through the ceiling on top of the guy, which causes enough of a fucking distraction to, uh, to allow them to get the upper hand in the confusion, because to be honest with you, when Liz gets the pistol, she kind of saves them all. It is true. It causes the pause that they need. With those shaky hands. I love Real it. She says, I'm a marksman woman. I know. And so- she's terrified. <laughs> <laughs> also, do, I, I was waiting till this scene to bring it up because it's just another like groan of a criticism where one of Roger Ebert's nitpicks in this movie, he's like, I really hate later on in the film when one character dives through the ceiling at just the right time and there's no way he could have known where to have been or where, when to be there or any of that. And I'm like, bullshit. Whistler's saw- the deaf one. by uh, No, no, he's not deaf. He's the blind one. Yeah, blind one. <laughs> like, we see their communications go down as far as, like, the cameras and some other stuff, but there is a moment. There's a shot where Marty is like, Carl, do you still hear me? Can I, do I still have you? And Carl's like, yeah. And he's like, okay. And then we cut away from that. And that's when mm-hmm. he told him where to go and where to be. Yeah, man. And I'm like, fuck you, Roger Ebert. You got this one way wrong. Yeah, man. You're right about that. And you know what I like about this? There were two gunshots, which would indicate both of them dying, which kind of buys them time. That's a good point. Right? Yeah. It's pretty true. awesome. Because you're like, oh, they, they, they have a few seconds here before they realize where are our guys, right? They're going to mm-hmm. kill two of them. So bang, bang. And, and you know that, Cosmo, villain though he may be, is not too experienced at the whole having people whacked because, of course. you know, that's your office, man. <laughs> right? <laughs> Take him somewhere else. Don't you didn't shit even lay down eat. any tarps or plastic. It's a shotgun, dude. <laughs> you just you had somebody kill somebody with a shotgun in your, in your lovely little Zeppelin fucking painting he was, office? He was probably sitting in his fucking, eating his little snackables, and he's like, oh, great. I should have told him to take him outside <laughs> when he hears yeah, the gunshots. He's like halfway down the hall like, oh, wait a minute. Wait a minute. And he's like, oh, shit. All right, go ahead and just call the fucking cleaners. Werner, what's the name of that dry cleaner you use? Yeah. <laughs> really need a good steam fat guy. So anyway, uh, my, my favorite action though is Crease. <sighs> Dude, the shit he's oh, you talking about when they get to the car with Whistler? Oh, this whole thing. Dude. When, when, when the guy calls him midnight. Dude. And, uh, and, and oh. Crease looks at him like, Oops. Oh, <laughs> you are going to fucking pay uh, for You're going to eat that shotgun. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. You see it in his eyes, and his that payback eyes. is so good. <laughs> Motherfuckers mess with me, I'll split your head. <laughs> Holy did shit. I ever tell you why I left the FBI? So good. My temper. <laughs> Boom. 
perfect distraction from Whistler. This is like a fucking survivor challenge. Like you're blindfolded and then you meet, they <laughs> yell at you to do shit. He's like the fucking blind guy trying to drive. Oh hey, no, what do anybody, I do? If anybody hasn't seen it yet, spoilers, um, this is all of Bird Box. <laughs> oh. just, <laughs> just driving ah. blind. Uh, I haven't, but I'm sure it's not as good as this. I keep telling you I'd rather watch the porno film Bird Cox. Bird Cox. Uh, Well, actually, there is a Bird Box porno, but it's a a lesbian porno. Are they blindfolded? (laughs) (laughs) So anyway, uh, yeah, that's amazing. He fucking drops these guys, Crease. And um, Whistler managed to get the vehicle into reverse as he speeds away, causes the distraction needed. And uh, meanwhile, Whistler's still driving backwards, and Marty's like, all right, all right, go this way. Um, he manages to get the gang to rush to the truck, and that's when Marty's starting to descend the roof, and Cosmo puts the gun on him. Damn. Step away from the ladder. Give me the box. Marty just says, no. Dude. Cosmo says he's serious, doesn't he? Because he fires a warning shot. <laughs> big dick move on Marty's part, though. Just nah. Dude, big dick move. He knows his <laughs> he, friend, doesn't he? He knows him. That's it. Yep. Uh, man, Ben Kingsley is a phenomenal actor. Absolutely. He, he's not holding the gun in a confident manner. Like, I mean, he, he like, seems stiff. He seems totally. nervous. I just, he's just great. And dude, and th- that moment too, it's a, another long shot. We're pulled away and we watch Marty walk all the way up to him, get right in his face. And he's yeah. like, this isn't even about the box. He's like, you want me to lose and you to win, right? That's what this is. And Say Marty it. gives it to him. He says, you yeah. win. And I don't only, care. He, He's like, say it. Say it that that's what you want. And he's like, yes. And that's when he hands him the thing. He's like, I yep. just wanted you to fucking admit it. There's a war out there, old friend, a world war. And it's not about who's got the most bullets. It's about who controls the information. Let me say that again, lads. It's about who controls the information. What we see and hear, how we work, what we think. It's all about the information. Marty's like, you should destroy the box. And Cosmo's like, just go. And, uh, no, not to go because, right. Marty says, well, you're going to have to shoot me. If you want me to see, you're going to have to pull the trigger. You're going to have to do that. You. Mm -hmm. And he's left alone with the box. Kind of sad, right? A left alone with the technology that he reveres so much. I mean, he has nobody again. Right. Yeah. Like you got what you wanted, but what is it really? At at the cost of everything. Right. Right. But boy, God. did this dude talk about a movie that did the exact opposite of being dated and actually predicting the fucking future. Like this no shit, is right? absolutely correct. He's absolutely right here. This is a war and it's all going to be coming down to information. Ones and zeros. That's what it is. Yeah. It's, but, it's funny to yep. think about the, it's funny to think about the, the thriller aspect of it. And I guess, I mean, again, to, to say techno thriller, perhaps in 1992, it was, it felt more that way because of the tech. But this to us is like, oh, yeah, this all makes sense. And now it's like the AI. That's the techno thriller, right? And I wonder how, <laughs> I wonder how predictive of the future it will be. It's kind of interesting to think about That's as true. we move through time. It's pretty wild, man. But um, they get back and they fucking have people with guns waiting for them, as you would imagine. <laughs> Darth Vader himself with his Fuck. Uzi girl. His voice. So good. Dude, that line is so fucking funny. And it is like a spit take. The young lady with the Uzi, is she single? Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, not a finer fucking line has been spoken in cinema. That's such oh, a good line. So great. Do you have anything in the world you want? You ask him for my phone number? Yeah. It's amazing. It's so corny, but I love it. Whatever. Dude, fuck that. Big dick move. I'm, I'm like, that is kick ass. Like, <laughs> her reaction is perfect. And it, it, right after she asks that, she, she's like, all right, 271. And just like gives it to him. 
It's the amazing. whole finale so here good. is a little cheesy, but yeah, it is it's like so Wizard of Oz, earned. Right? It's exactly. earned. Yeah. Yep. And it, and it also doesn't break the paradigm. Right. The whole thing, like <laughs> Whistler, Dude. Goodwill on Earth, and Peace Towards Men. We are the United States government. We do not do that. Uh, <laughs> uh, just come everywhere. You're just, you're just gonna have to try. <laughs> and I love how by, like it starts out too with Abbott just being like, "What the? You guys are asking for favors for this shit? Like, well, we have guns on you. What the fuck?" But then by the end of it, you know, he just looks at Liz. He's like, "What about you? What do you want?" <laughs> I'm good. Oh, it's yeah, so good. it's amazing. <laughs> so good, oh, man. I, I love the idea too of of mother saying right. He's like, they could read the FBI's email. In other words, they can each agency can spy on each other. Right. <laughs> this doesn't work for foreign surveillance. That's what they learned from Correct. Craig. Our, their codes work totally different. So this only works on, on surveillance on other U.S. entities. Or Patriot internal, Act, baby. Yeah. <laughs> you got nothing to, say, to hide. Hmm, you got nothing to seems hide. Seems like. You got nothing hey, to hide. What are you worried about? Yeah, you didn't do anything <laughs> wrong. <laughs> <laughs> Don't get me started. By the way, oh, love shit. the 49ers hats because, you know, fucking Montana was crushing it a few <laughs> years here before this. They're all fucking, I mean, I know it's in California, but you, you, they ain't wearing no fucking Rams hats. They're um, in San Fran, baby. San Fran, baby. So, um, yeah, I, it's, it is. It's like, a, you know, it's a little corny, Wizard of Oz, but I love it. I love this fucking shit. It's just awesome. I love how James Earl Jones still maintains his air of authority about him despite the hijinks ensuing. Right, <laughs> yeah. So and the good. final epilogue: Greenpeace, United Nations College Fund reporting <laughs> record donations. <laughs> Meanwhile, the Republican Party announces their <laughs> co- campaign coffers are empty. Hell yeah, dude! <laughs> Hell yeah, that's funny as shit. That's fucking so dope. Like, just what a killer little ending. Just like a funny. Like you said, Josh, earned. Like we have been building to this, and it's a callback to the beginning. Everything's come around, it's right? So right. That music, do 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 do. Oh, we didn't even talk about the score. Uh, I yeah. really like it. Yeah, man, it's great. It, it you know it adds an air of sophistication and class. I know it sounds really corny to to link jazz to that idea, but it's true. Well, also, right. I, and it, I it, it even... does paint that picture, and they use a lot. They use a lot in this movie for a lot of the transitions as well. They do, and and I I honestly think it adds to the sense of like fun in this movie. It adds to for the sure. yep. slightly lighter tone of the whole yep. thing. Yep, uh, I think it's a really great match. Yep, it works well. Um, there we have it. There's the movie, man. I mean, that was a fucking suck fest. You guys suck tired? Fest. You guys sore? Mm. Yeah, I well, I, I switched from like mouth to hands enough times that I'm, I'm okay, but I gave it my all. Gave it my all. It's all you can do. It's all a girl can do, Josh. It's true. And just give it her all. But um, yeah, so again, uh, a very special thanks to the lovely ladies and gentlemen who made a decision to uh, get this this film going, who made a decision to uh, chip in on this bad boy because... I don't know about you boys, but I had a blast talking about oh, this yeah. fucker. Totally. Um, what a, what a great movie! And and by the way, um, if it goes, if I think it goes without saying, we're all pretty much strong love its all around. I mean, it's not. Yeah, Matt, are, you, are you there? Oh yeah? yeah, love it. Awesome. Oh yeah, I can. Yeah, he's he's real ready for it. Great uh, movie. Yeah, great I'm excited movie. to hear like. The first time you, I'm sure you having not seen this, I'm sure you have some real close friends that never have. And totally. this is the kind of movie that I have watched this movie with like good friends for their first time. Like 
at any point, if I have a real close friend and we start talking about movies and if this movie comes up and they haven't seen it, this is a movie where I'm like, I would love to fucking watch this movie with you. Absolutely. This is a perfect you know? movie for yep. that. Yep. Such it's a great just, movie. It's just fucking fun. Like I said, dude, it's mm-hmm. been years, years and years since I have watched an entire movie and just started it right back over. Like I, I can't even remember the last time I did that. I was like, fuck, that was so good. I'm ready to watch it again. I'm already ready. Hell yeah. Let's do some listener comments and wrap this baby up. Uh, Almost Hot Scott. OMG, this cast is electric. For future President Rosalind to Sir with love to the soon-to-be-deceased Viper Room. Tragedy, this film does not miss a beat. Uh, Want Sir Ben Kingsley and Ghostbusters in the one movie? Tick. Want pre-internet global banking disaster? Tick. Want a wonderful romp of a 90s movie with Gen X overtones and undertones, skepticism, embracing technology, fringe dwellers? Tick. Possums, this is the bomb. Suck it up and love it. There is nothing to unlike, unless you're a moron. (laughs) Or have the reasoning capacity of Poe White trash living in a Tennessee trailer park. Offensive, but okay. Offensive. And I find yeah. that very offensive, Mr. Aussie man. That's our trash, you Australian fuckwad. <laughs> Only we could call them trash. Only we are allowed. Don't like this movie, question mark? I assume you love drowning kittens in sweet, wide eyed puppies. Jesus, God, do you like this movie? <laughs> so there you go. I'm sorry. I had to uh, suck it off a little more. Mm-hmm. Matt or Josh, when you guys can do the next one. Now you got one? I got Mr. Jason Lichtenberger. Although I haven't seen this one in years, I've seen it enough to confidently say it's solid and still holds up. Sure, the cast is top-notch, but the ideas surrounding this movie would be similar to those that attracted me to the X-Files a year later. Mother especially seems like he could have been in The Lone Gunman. I love mm-hmm. this movie and need to watch it again. That's a great, great yep. role. Awesome. Jason, you listen to our X-Files podcast? Because you should. You should be. Um, I got a, a cool little story from Matthew Vandiver. This is in quotes. At one yeah. point in the project, director Phil Alden Robinson received a visit from men claiming to be from the offices of Naval Intelligence who indicated that for reasons of national security, the film could not include any references to a handheld device that can decode codes. Hmm. Robinson was highly concerned, but after consulting with a lawyer from the film studio, he realized that the visit had been a prank instigated by a member of the <laughs> cast, possibly Aykroyd or Redford. Such a prank definitely has Dan Aykroyd written all over it. That oh, is awesome. Too good. <laughs> Too good. That's a great, great writing. Thanks, Matt. Um, final thoughts, Josh? Can I? But actually, I want to pose a question to you guys as 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 a final thought because I kind of mentioned in the beginning, and I'm not really sure I have anything to add. But what I said in the beginning was like, "Fuck, I don't know if." they make movies like this anymore. And, mm. you know, not like there's a plethora of, of them around at an older time to choose from, but there, there are others. And there's another, the last time I said that about another movie that we did a podcast on was Hunt for Red October. I said the same thing to you, Dean, was like, man, they don't make movies like this because Hunt for Red October certainly has a lot more action than There's than, a whole subgenre for a while too, the sub film. Yeah, but Hunt for Red October is a sub-film where, like, look at the previews for that movie Hunter Killer that's just coming out. That's what you get nowadays. And I haven't even seen those previews, but I'll have I, to check them I out. I have. I know exactly what you're talking about, Josh. That that weird action movie tone they throw yeah. in. Yeah. Yeah. And, and so maybe I'm wrong. I just, again, you guys watch more movies. You're a little t- more tied in. Am I just being, like, a crotchety old man and saying that? Or, 
Or do you think there's a validity validity to that? I, you know, honestly, I do see what you mean because the the thing that jumps to mind for me, uh, what I've been noticing about, and it's working as far like as being financial successes. So we're going to get them for a long time as long as they're financially success, successful. Um, is your typical action movie or like heist movie setup, but it's also like a full blown R rated Judd Apatow esque comedy. You know what I mean? Where it's mm-hmm. like like the shit that like The Rock and Kevin Hart do. Where it's like it's an action movie, and this is like there aren't Arnold Schwarzenegger style action movies anymore. It's this action movie where we're gonna punch, and there's gonna be huge explosions and lots of CG, but also like downright like R rated explicit dick joke comedy. Like, like that's the new fusion, I feel like, in movies now. And I feel mm-hmm. like a modern-day take on this movie leans way harder into the comedy. Um, and it, if you like that, you like it. You know, I'll, I'll admit, I recently saw the, the new Baywatch, which I had fucking no interest in seeing, but I ended up watching it with some friends. It was better than I thought it would be. It was funny, but that that's very much that style of movie where it's like, this is the action kind of, like, it is like a detective action story, but also downright, like, titties falling out silly jokes uh it's very heavy on that side of things and i feel like that's if this script came across you know somebody's desk at a big studio nowadays that's what they'd want to do they were like oh well this is good we gotta punch up the humor though we gotta make it like a real big slapstick silly comedy with cool techno heist happening as well so yeah i think i think you are right they this this movie might get made but it would be very different it would be different. Uh, there, there is the only real, the only real connection I can make outside of the humor aspect of this is, is just talking about a crime thriller with, with like, like a spy film that that isn't hardcore action. And I can only really think of two in recent memory, and that's Bridge of Spies, is it? Mm, yeah. And then Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy, but most of them are like your Mission Impossible films, most of in in those, neither one of those, those movies aren't, they're very serious. Very serious. Very serious. Very serious they, right. They're not, they're, they, they, they lack the lightheartedness of this film for sure. Mm-hmm. Another one that jumps to mind for me is Most Wanted Man, A Most Wanted Man, I think, which was like Philip Seymour Hoffman's second to last movie. Um, very cool spy story. That's very realistic and much more low key on the action, but also super, super serious. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, so that's a good question. I like it. Do they make this kind of movie anymore? It's, uh, yeah, I think movies are definitely a product of their time a lot of the times um, in terms of, you know, what could you write this now and what would the audience, would the, would the audience roll their eyes at the end of this movie now? You know, that's that's the question, like that kind of stuff. Yeah. Stuff to say. Stuff that's to say, I but, I, but I think it, I think you may, you may, <laughs> you may be putting forth a non- they might not be mutually exclusive, the things you're saying, Josh. You might be crotchety, and they also might not make them. <laughs> Which is like the way I tend to view myself. You know what I mean? Like, So I hear where you're I, coming from. I think this script does still get made today. It would just be executed very differently. Um, like It's not like Westerns, whereas like nowadays, Westerns are so far and few between you, you can just about say they don't make Westerns anymore. Uh, like They make this movie, they, the same setup. They make it, but it just feels super different. They just go for mm. a totally different tone. Yeah. Yeah, man. Well, good stuff. Josh, thanks for joining us uh, yet oh, again. Yeah. Um, we are going to uh, beat a hasty retreat. i got to turn my fucking heat back on since I can't have it on while I do this. So, uh, yeah. Um, we'll catch you guys next time. Have a good one.